Hey, hey, and we're live. Welcome to the WAN Show, guys. I had a couple people complaining the volume was a little bit low in the pre-show, but, uh, oh, I don't know what this thing does. Okay, forget oh, it. No, no, we're done with that. Anyway, so the, the reason for that is that we actually talk quite a bit louder during the show. We got our announcer voices on. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. And our announcer hats. So, guys, we actually have a fantastic show for you today. Our special guest this week is the one and only Tom Merritt of Sword and Laser, formerly of Twit TV. Now he's doing his own thing with some amazing support from the community. So we've got him on to discuss some hardcore tech topics, and maybe we'll pick his brain a little bit about the transition from, you know, working for the man to yeah. going indie, um, something we can't relate to. At all. At all. Uh-huh. All right. Topics for today. The, um, this is, this is going to just have everyone in tears. The Magic the Gathering online exchange has closed. Oh, my God. Which might not seem like a big deal, except that Mount Gox stands for Magic the Gathering <laughs> online exchange. I love the professionalism of this show. We're trying to bring breaking news to the people, and you're throwing your phone around. I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. All right. Next My up, hat. WhatsApp is still not a social network, according to me. We need a t-shirt. Um, everyone is bailing, and by everyone, we mean, like, everyone. Like, millions of people, but not actually six billion people yeah. is bailing to telegram so that's a former competitor and i say competitor because they weren't even really that significant no. until all of a sudden after the facebook acquisition there's movement going on what else we got you know that twitter account is is half-life 3 released yet and it's just like no 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 and it's just a bot that says no we should make it <laughs> is whatsapp a social media network yet no 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 <laughs> And then Facebook destroys it and makes a whole new thing. Yes, yes, yes. Anyways, Spritz is a kind of amazing thing, which may change how you read things on different platforms and different devices, mainly smartphones and Google Glass and, like, smartwatches and stuff like that. That's going to be really interesting. We'll talk about that later. And Nintendo discontinues Nintendo Wi-Fi connection service. If you guys are waiting for me to rant about something, this is likely to be it. That topic. That topic has, you know, I don't... I, okay, I'm not going to do this right now. It's intro time. Our sponsors today are Squarespace, the easy way to set up a beautiful professional looking website, and dun dun dun, Intel has an exciting new program. If you head over to enthusiast.intel.com, you can get details on how your unlocked Core i5 or Core i7 processor could give you access to some pretty exclusive stuff as part of Intel Club Enthusiast. More on that later on in the show. So let's kick things off right here with a big shout out to Ghost from the forum for his help with a bit of a sort of producer role on the WAN show today. We are very, very grateful because we have a pretty fantastic show for you guys. Let's start with the HTC Power to Give. This is a program that, much like other distributed computing, um, I guess, I don't know what we would call them, networks, programs, whatever you want to call them, things like Folding at Home, uh, Boink, SETI at Home, is enabling you to take extra processing power you otherwise wouldn't be using. See, look, I got one of those too. See, it's kind of like the thing in the picture. I don't. Um, and use it to contribute to a fantastic cause. So, 
This We're is actually test. really cool. One thing that I wanted to throw on here is that our folding team on the forum is now 49th in the world, so that's awesome. And while this doesn't necessarily pertain to folding, as this is a Boink backend, not a folding backend, still very cool. And we do have a Boink team as well, which is, again, very strong. But Boink is fairly uh, divided. You can you can pick what you want to go for. Folding is one kind of one direction. Boink is whatever the heck you want to do. Because they've got that one I really thing. shouldn't have said one direction. That was a terrible idea. One specific angle that they're going on. One vector. One vector. That should be the new brand. Uh, the new band. <laughs> one vector. One vector is like a cheap one direction knockoff. <laughs> like slightly nerdier version. Yeah, nerdy. Nerdy one direction. <laughs> All right, I'm sorry. We got off topic awesome. there. Awesome. Okay, so so uh, right now for compatibility, there's beta compatibility on HTC One, the whole family, the HTC Butterfly and the HTC Butterfly S, although there is much more compatibility coming apparently in the next six months, and it will only run while the phone is charging. So it's yeah. probably going to be more of an overnight thing. Uh, what, what that's going to do for your battery charging, I don't know. Although I fully expect that overnight, even running this, your battery's still going to be at full by the time you wake up. Yeah, I mean, and um, like I haven't tried it yet, but if they offer configurability options, like where you can say, okay, don't run this when I'm charging during the day, but run it during mm. these hours it's when like I'm charging. charging. Yeah, like I can't see this having a negative impact on your phone other than running warm, mm-hmm. which based on the way that mobile processors are able to throttle themselves from heat, should actually be fine. They shouldn't overheat. Um, It looks like a fantastic way to contribute positively. So you can actually decide if you want to contribute to uh, medicine, science, ecology, or whatever it happens to be. Like Luke said, folding at home is just protein folding. Like, that's pretty much it. Which is awesome, but... Um, And if everyone with an HTC One smartphone installed it, there's about a million... Oh, no. No, no, hold on. Sorry, there's more. If one million people with HTC One smartphones installed it, we could be looking at similar processing power to that of one of the world's 30 top supercomputers. So about one petaflop. It's like pretty epic. This could be a really big deal. I hope this expands. I hope it doesn't just stay with HTC. I hope this goes everything. Because I'd be more than happy. And with the heating thing that you talked about, it would be a really small investment yeah. To get some sort of plate that would pull the heat from it or to get like a little router cooler. Right. Or something like that that could just cool your phone down, which would probably be better for your phone and would just allow it to uh, operate at a higher processing level. Because it gets warm while it's charging anyway. Yeah. So having it somewhere safe is not necessarily a bad idea no. anyhow. And neither of those things would really be a giant investment. So you opt in simply by heading over to the Play Store link, which I can sort of show you guys right here. So it's HTC Power to Give. Uh, there's already, it's a five-star rated app with over a thousand ratings already. So it looks like people are really getting on board this. And that is that is pleasing and good news. I think it's really cool. And they did it in a really smart way. Making it so it only does it when you're charging was really smart. I think if they didn't have that in place, I probably wouldn't get behind it. Yeah, even if it wasn't the default, I think it's, it would be a terrible choice. Yeah. All right. Speaking of terrible choices... Space Jam 2 is not as confirmed as we had thought that it was based on the rumors that were floating around last week. So, um, unfortunately, the sequel to... uh, Okay, first of all, I liked Space Jam. Why don't they just do it? I wish they would. I don't, like, I, Space Jam was freaking awesome. I love okay, Space Jam. Okay, I think Jam. saying freaking awesome should be, should, there should be, well, like, an asterisk. It's freaking but... awesome in the same way that Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure was freaking awesome. Okay, yes. It was, it was like, ridiculous. Yeah. But good. Yeah. But good. Anyway, okay. So, initially, um, there was, like, there were rumors that Warner Brothers was partnering with uh, Charlie and Willie Ebersol on Space Jam 2. They said the movie was still in early stages. However, um... Reporters from ESPN are refuting the claim, but no one from Warner Brothers is denying anything. 
And they're, they're saying it where, while there wasn't substantive discussions, there may have been non-substantive discussions, which are, it's not terrible. I, I, I liked it a lot more when they were in early stages of the movie, because that means it's coming. LeBron James, who was rumored to be the star of it, said, <clears throat> it would be great, but it's news to me. <laughs> so I, I think even no matter how early the stages of the discussion are, <laughs> if you're, like, deciding on who the main actor is going to be, they should probably know about it. Yeah. Especially if they're, like, a basketball player and probably busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd imagine LeBron James has a fairly busy daily life. He's got stuff to do, like throwing rubber balls through hoops, you know. <laughs> I'm sure he has lots of other things to do. LeBron, if you're watching, I don't mean any offense. And I'm very certain you're not watching, but... <laughs> like 100%. Wouldn't um, that be cool? You know um, what was actually really funny? Um, John Hedder retweeted our contest. The Napoleon Dynamite guy, for those of you who don't know who that is. So our giveaway was tweeted by John freaking Hedder. And I was like, <laughs> I, who managed to get John Hedder to tweet about our giveaway? It's so cool. And there was uh, there was a basketball player too, actually, like not LeBron James, but no, like, I remember like this, pro yeah. pro level basketball. Like that contest spread all over. Speaking of which, today is the last day for entry. Um, so anything sitting in my inbox by midnight tonight counts. Anything else doesn't. And I've had a few people ask me how I'm doing the draw, and it is going to be difficult. I'm going to be using random.org yeah. to determine. Once I've determined how many are on each page, I'm going to be using random.org to determine a random page for me, and then I'm going to actually have to click load more that many times. It's probably going to take me a while. Like I'm going to have like a laptop sitting there that's just for that, and like when I'm eating my dinner... <laughs> That's going to be the only way to do it fairly. I wasn't expecting like 50,000 people to enter the giveaway, which is fantastic, but also terrifying. Speaking of fantastic, but also terrifying, um, New Way Why is, this terrifying? is, well, it's terrifying potentially to UK e-tailers uh, 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 and potentially fantastic for UK customers. Um, so I, I think the, uh, the article from Hexus is probably a little bit generous to Newegg. Amazon rival Newegg expected to launch in the UK <laughs> next month. I think calling, no offense to the Newegg TV guys, because like nothing personal, they are. but like my grudge match with Newegg goes before their times, before I was doing YouTube videos, it like goes way back because, you know, NCIX competes with Newegg particularly now that Newegg is in Canada, in the same way that a horse competes with a mouse in Canada. In the U.S., Newegg is a big deal. They are. They have an excellent filter-based search mechanism to find technology. Their they website have, is so much better than NCX. They have great <laughs> photos, like great product photos, which I've been informed that they actually take versus, you know, forcing the manufacturer to do it, which is why they are often so much better than what the manufacturer provides. But they have the same logistical disadvantages trying to expand into a new country that anyone else does. And they will be a small startup in that country compared to the established players the same way anyone else is. Newegg.ca is not a big deal in much the same way that I would be very surprised if Newegg.co.uk was a big deal. Because the, the, only, the only time I've ever seen a company get around this was actually uh, Best Buy coming into Canada. Because they just bought Future Shop. Well, yeah, they bought the existing, what was... 
basically Best Buy already. Yeah, yeah. So they just bought them, and the reason why they bought them was all of the warehouses and distribution lines. Yes. So so they bought the logistics. Yeah. And then they went and put Best Buy stores right next to the Future Shop yep. stores everywhere. Yeah. And, well, we see how that's working out for them. But actually, Best <laughs> Buy Canada is doing better than Best Buy USA in terms of yes, but like generally probably going to go out of businessness. Well, they're still going to generally probably going to go to businesses. Yeah, probably but it might a little take longer. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So so there's that. But here, here's the reason. Buying from an online retailer, why do you pick one over another one? Habit? Trust? Because with electronics, it's not really prices anymore. They're so close. Like, it's you could shop piece by piece in places like, you could go Amazon versus Newegg versus NCIX, and these would be cheaper here, and these would be cheaper here, these would be cheaper here, and you could, you could do that. But most people aren't willing to do that much work. Let's be honest with ourselves. Most people are just going to buy from one. And what I have found when I've been pricing out things for build guides, because I tend to start out with a price budget, and then completely blow over it, but that's besides the point, is when I put together a whole system from any one of them, it comes out about the same. Even though there might be price differences as much as like 20 or $30 on an individual part, it gets made up somewhere else. Yep. So I think that Newegg is going to struggle, but I also think that they don't really have any other ideas for how to expand their business. Because, you know, you look at what Amazon's done so well, breaking out of books yeah. into other things, but Newegg doesn't have the advantage of books in that the margin is phenomenal. So that's a lot of money to reinvest into other things. Electronics margins are terrible. Last time Newegg tried to go public, I think their net profit was something like 1%. So your net profit is after all of your operating expenses, which is just, it's not good. No one's going to invest in that company. No, no. And it's hard to, uh, yeah, it's hard to like do things. That makes sense. Like, despite being the white knight of the the patent trolling industry and all that other kind of stuff that they were not that long ago, they don't actually have this giant wad of cash. Well, I'm sure they do, but not as giant as like Amazon, as Amazon. or Apple. It's not the same kinds of resources. I don't think Amazon has much cash, actually. Well, they probably throw it around. Way yeah, too much. but I mean, not as not as much to work with. Let's just say that. Yeah. Uh, all right, so this is very interesting. This is, uh, <laughs> I totally called this. So check this out, guys. This is a tweet from Telegram Messenger. So I, to give you guys some idea of how big Telegram Messenger was before now, um, I'd never heard of it. Me neither. But it's a messaging app, presumably, I've never even used it, presumably somewhat similar to WhatsApp, that it was the number one most downloaded iPhone app in 48 countries, with 4.95 million people who signed up in one day, February 23rd. Kind of cool that their servers didn't just completely kill themselves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's one thing that I noticed, actually, was they were tweeting that out, um, in no small part, I'm sure, to keep the ball rolling and all this kind of stuff. And I heard nothing about, oh my god, everyone just switched to Telegram and it totally doesn't work at all. I didn't hear that ever. So so you can check out the full article over on Bloomberg.com. Uh, the headline is, The Zuckerberg of Russia Gets a Boost from the Real Facebook CEO's WhatsApp Deal. So... <sighs> There's a, lot of, there's a lot of talk about what's happening here, but let's go back to what we said last week. WhatsApp is not a social network. It is a utility. It's a, it's a social network in the same way that picking up a phone and calling someone and talking to them is a social network, to which he said, well, you can have conversations with multiple, multiple people across WhatsApp, uh, you know, group conversation, to which I said three-way calling. 
Yep. <laughs> Freeway calling is not a social network. And as much as the justification for the purchase of WhatsApp, there were a couple of different ways to look at it. So number one was, well, the biggest justification was you look at it in terms of cost per user to acquire a social network that you can then figure out how to monetize, which made it worth $19 billion in cash and stock options. To which I kind of went, well, what's to prevent those people from just bailing the second you try to monetize anything they're doing, or even before? And way before, apparently. Uh, so I actually just installed it, set it up, and am already activated while you were doing that blurb. And as far as I can tell, it's like a blue-skinned version of WhatsApp. Even right. the install process was almost exactly the same. So if, if you're looking for an alternative, not necessarily a bad idea. So, so they've got go. only 20 million registered users compared to WhatsApp's 450 million. So it's not like overnight Telegram has become the new WhatsApp. But with as many as 4.95 million signups per day compared to WhatsApp's 1 million per day, it doesn't make WhatsApp look like such a shoe-in winner in the alternative messaging space. And this is more reinforcement of my perception that you look at how quickly Black Blackberry Messenger was completely displaced and became irrelevant. You look at what happened to ICQ. You look what happened to MSN Messenger. Something new just has to come along, and even more than with social networks, like the way we saw MySpace just completely disappear. Like, Facebook has shown that social networks can have some resiliency even once they start to try to monetize their user base. Messaging applications, someone's going to come along and build something lighter weight that's more private and free and... Yeah. And they're going to capital they're going to capitalize on the fact that companies like Facebook think that that's worth 19 billion. So someone is going to get some seed funding and build something better in hopes that they get their 19 billion and it's going to happen over and over and over again. I'm sure the WhatsApp guys are super stoked. Yeah. That's like pretty much all I have to say. They won so hard. Oh yeah. Like they've raked They had like 50 employees. Everybody is walling. Has, has like the biggest smile on their face right now. Yeah. And some of the scary part of this is that Telegram is seeing huge growth in Germany, the Netherlands, Spain, and throughout Latin America, regions in which uh, Mr. Zuckerberg had said that WhatsApp was strongest. So, and this is before they've even tried to change anything. I don't think WhatsApp has even had a software update. Don't think so. Since the acquisition. Meaning literally nothing has changed. So just because of Facebook's ownership, people are jumping off board. And honestly, someone found the right application, as far as I can tell. Because like I just said, as far as I can tell, it's the same thing. Right. Which is, like, exactly what people probably wanted. They wanted the same thing, but not owned by Facebook. But, I mean, the acquisition might still be okay. If they're gaining a million users per day, even if they lose five million a day for a period of time here, it's not like, you know, your mom or, like, you know, my badminton buddies who aren't tech-savvy are immediately going to switch. And with how people rate users for uh, phone applications, they're probably not losing all the users that are going right. to... Telegram. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're probably just that many people also getting Telegram. So they're not necessarily losing all these people. With that said, okay, you know what? I'm, I'm actually going to disagree with what I just said. Because in my mind, something like WhatsApp is kind of geeky. Like, it's more geeky than picking up a phone or sending a text message or sending an email. Like, my, my, my mom and grandpa have WhatsApp, but the only reason why they have WhatsApp is because I have, in, have informed them that they can message each other from very far away without fees. And they're both like, what the heck is this? 
and then eventually just got used to it. Right. So there is something to be said for being first and having that the Kleenex or the Xerox effect yep. where you're, you become synonymous with the service. Yep. So it's not like they're going to go away immediately. Nope. But, but then the geeky people, the ones who advocated WhatsApp Influence, yeah. and drove that, I mean, to me, those guys seem like the kinds of guys who are going to be driving something else. So, well, everyone, like I said in the last show, people freaked out, which makes sense. I did as well um, when Facebook did that update where they can read your text messages and yep. call status. Um, so people don't want that. Yeah. NSA and all that kind of stuff is a big deal right now. Back off. and then. But if- then look at how we accept Google reading our emails. Is it just a matter of getting used to it again? Uh, maybe, but people aren't getting used to it anymore. I don't know why Google gets a free pass. I don't know why Google Probably because all pass. other email services are horrible. Yeah, it could have something to do with it. But, like... You know what, know. guys? We want to hear from you. Are you going to switch to Telegram? Or are you going to look for something else? Are you going to, you know, look for a, a, a BitTorrent solution, BitTorrent, BitTorrent chat? BitTorrent chat, yeah. Um, or are, are you going to keep using WhatsApp? You know what? Let's do it. Let's do a struggle. On this topic, would you switch from Gmail? I think everyone's had the opportunity to switch from Gmail by now. And Everything if anyone... sucks, though. <sighs> okay. Okay, hold on. Will you keep using WhatsApp? Okay, answer yes. For now, no. Okay, uh, this thing, right? Yeah, yep. Yep. create poll. All right, guys, I'm going to go ahead and post this in the Twitch chat. Please do share with each other. We want to hear from you guys if you're going to keep using it. Oh, come on. There we go, guys. That's the official straw poll. All right, next topic. Um, one, one quick update. Someone just tweeted me. Apparently, Twitch Plays Pokemon is... Very close to actually beating the game. <laughs> beating the game, not in the terms of collecting every single possible Pokemon, because that's impossible because they can't trade, um, but beating the game as in beating the Elite Four. So that's kind of epic. <laughs> A million monkeys on typewriters. Yeah. Eventually they <laughs> Eventually will it'll happen. reproduce the works of it's, Shakespeare. It's what, like 13, 14 days straight now or something? Ah, something like, like that. It's insane, been about two weeks, yeah. but they're going to make it, so that's cool. Uh, so Seth Rogen to make Console Wars. This looks really interesting. I got really excited when I saw this because one of my favorite movies of all time is Pirates of Silicon Valley, which is this kind of idea, but Apple versus Microsoft. Um, something that worries me at the same time is the team working on this has done Superbad, Pineapple Express, and This is the End, which Super honestly a good movie. are like great Superbad. movies, but I hope that they're not trying to use the same direction for this. Or if they do, I hope it's somehow awesome, because I'm sure they could do it. But I don't know. What I what I expect to see from this is a Pirates of Silicon Valley-esque film, which is still very entertaining to watch and stuff, but it's also a documentary at the same time. So the idea is it'll be the the early days of Nintendo versus Sega. and you know, Which is a pretty big deal. And something that I actually know nothing about. It's It was the, the CD loader thing. This needs to stop talking. Um... I got apparently someone that I know is probably watching the show and just sent me an invite to Telegram. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> um, it, it, it's Nintendo wanted someone to make them. I'm fairly certain about this. Nintendo wanted someone to make them a CD loader mm-hmm. for another console. Got them to try and do it. Um, or was this with? Uh, I don't want this to be totally inaccurate. Um, that might have been with Sony. Yeah. I'm gonna have a look at the results of our straw poll in the meantime. Wow. All right, here, let's pull this up. Will you keep using WhatsApp? 67% of you are saying no, with 21% of you saying for now, 
and a tiny 12% of you saying yes. Now, with that said, you guys, I believe, represent the, the techies, the geeks, the influencers. So just because you guys are like, yeah, I'm going to switch now, doesn't mean that WhatsApp will instantly lose the mainstream appeal that they've had up till now. But I think that over time, something like Telegram or BitTorrent Chat could overtake it. What I'd really like to see, and this is something that really bothers me, but what I would like to see is a competitor for it, um, whether it's BitTorrent Chat or whether it's something else that emerges that is not just mobile. Yeah. I understand that mobile is a big deal and you can sell your mobile app for 19 billions of dollars, but why the hell does WhatsApp not have a Windows client? Why does nothing have cross-platform compatibility? It's incredibly frustrating. I mean, even, even stupid things like the Air Video app that I use to stream video to myself or on Android Emit. Why don't you have a desktop client? People still use computers, and I think that uh, app developers would do well to sort of remember that once in a while. That's all. Just because the sales of PCs are going a little bit down doesn't mean that the existence of PCs is going down. Um, and, okay, so I was right. It was Sony. Remember, yeah. remember earlier before oh, the show? Oh, sorry, Sony. Remember earlier before the show when yeah. I brought up the Sony thing? That's what, that's what I expected this actually to be about was Nintendo versus Sony, but apparently it's Nintendo versus Sega. Oh. So I think it would actually be a lot more interesting if they did Nintendo versus Sony. Hmm. Okay. Well, at any rate, I'm, uh, I'm excited to check it out. Yeah, I think it'll still be really interesting. Um, although I would like to see the, the, the war of the CD loader, because that's why Sony got into consoles in the first place. So, like, that would be really interesting. Why don't you tell them more opinion. about this? So, so Nintendo tried to get Sony to make them a CD loader for, I believe it was SNES, although I could be wrong there. Um, and then there was some bad blood. I believe the contract went sour. Someone was breaking the contract, something along, like, along those lines. And Nintendo backed out. I believe it was Nintendo that backed out. And then Sony got pissed off and said, well, we developed this thing. Let's make our own console. Enter PlayStation 1, and one of the biggest gaming regimes ever, um, now with PlayStation 4, although Sony does look like they're doing fairly bad lately. So uh, so we've got lots of suggestions coming in. People saying Telegram uh, does have desktop support, so that's cool. Hadn't, I haven't really looked into Telegram much at all. This is kind of a, that is actually really kind of cool. a new thing. And also people are saying that Hangouts is cross-platform. That may be true, but Hangouts is a giant steaming pile of poo. It doesn't work very well. It doesn't work. It's not reliable enough. I'm sorry, Google. And also, it, like... Okay, like to get something like, uh, what was I using? I was using Trillion with Hangouts for a while um, in order to have a proper desktop client that does not operate within a browser or have anything to do with my browser. It's extremely frustrating. I use my browser to browse the internet, not to, and I don't necessarily have enough desktop space that I want to pop out all of my chats and put them all over something. And I don't want them to pile up at the bottom of the screen and cover up the send button so I can't send emails. Hangouts just isn't that great. No, it's really not. And people are saying it works about as well as Skype. I don't really have any love for Skype either. Skype so. doesn't work that well. We've said that so many times. So many times on the Wan Show, we've been like, I wish MSN would come back so we could never use Skype ever again. We should take another crack at Razor Comms. Uh, we haven't used it since the beta was in kind of rough shape near the end of the uh, the sponsorship thing. I've kind of heard it's still in rough shape. Is it still in rough shape? I'm not entirely sure. I haven't tried it myself. Okay. I don't know. I've done no testing, but... I've, I've heard it's still rough. Maybe we should take another crack at it, because it yeah. was really good when we first started using when it. I, yeah, when we first started using it, I had my whole group on it. Like, that was not... I didn't say that because of sponsorship. My whole group actually did use Razor Comms, and ever since then, we've just been kind of, like, floating around. Dolby Axum. We'll use in-game chat or other random things. So we're just like, oh, man, that Waiting sucks. for the next big thing. Yeah. 
Speaking of the next big thing, SanDisk introduces the world's highest capacity micro SDXC card, 128 gigs. <laughs> That's ridiculous. I mean, isn't that incredible? It's absolutely ridiculous. Like, I wonder when drives in computers are just going to end up being, like, huge plug-in adapters. We just put in a whole bunch of, like, micro SD cards, and then it goes in through, like, a SATA connection or something. So, like, the recommended retail price is 200 bucks. although you can get it for as cheap as 120 bucks on Amazon.com, or $200 at Best Buy, speaking of Best Buy... <laughs> being in trouble. Uh, so you can get it for $119.99 at Amazon.com. It's not the fastest thing ever. So it's rated at 10 megabytes per second write speeds and 30 megabytes per second read speed. So to put that in perspective, you'd have to write data to it for about three and a half hours to actually fill the thing. But that's not really the idea behind it. The mm. idea is that this is the kind of thing that you can put in your phone. Neither of my phones, mind you, because neither of them have SD slots, but the kind of thing you could put in your phone and carry a massive number of videos and amount of music and all that kind of cool stuff without really thinking about having to offload from it. Now, the scary thing here is if you're not already using BitTorrent Sync to instantly back up any photos that you take or whatever else, is that that's also a massive amount of data to have in one place and potentially lose on something that you keep in your pocket, in theory, except when your pockets have holes in them from the things that you're doing in your pockets that causes them to have holes in them. Um, so something that's easily lost, it's a bit, of, a bit of a scary thing. But don't worry, you guys can make sure that you know, you're responsible and all that. So the card works by stacking 16 memory dies vertically, each thinner than a human hair. Epic. Just, like, unbelievable. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, some of the stuff people do with technology sometimes is ridiculous. And the speed thing, to grow on that, I'm sure it'll get faster at some point in time. Yeah, it'll get like, faster. The cool part is that this is available now and that it will be expanded upon. It's like real, not space-age technology. I mean, yeah. to put that in context, the first micro SD card was launched in 2004. It was 128 megabytes. <laughs> so in 10 years... The storage capacity and speed, the capacity has gone up a thousand times. <laughs> Ridiculous. Anyways, apparently um, Telegram themselves do not do a desktop application, but it's an open API, and someone else has made a desktop client. Okay. Yeah. Much less interested now. Much but less interested. At least, Sorry. It, at least it works, and to be honest, with the amount of people that are now using Telegram, maybe this will happen in the future. Maybe they'll make it themselves, um, because I'm sure they're much bigger than they were before. Yeah. And I'm sure investors are much more interested now. So they might get some more cash flow and then do that themselves. That would be really cool. All right. So let's get into this. This is something that people have actually been asking me to talk about for quite some time. Um, actually, ever since Logan did his Audio Myths video. So let's go ahead and fire this baby up. They took an interesting angle with this one. They really did. I think Tom's did a fantastic job of this article. And this stupid Facebook thing needs to move. Thank you. All right. So the article has headlined, What does it take to turn the PC into a hi-fi audio platform? And the way that they, the way that they did this is, I mean, okay. What they, what they said up front is, look. We haven't really done much in the way of, of audio in the past because Tom's hardware is about taking a, like a, a scientifically um, easily validated and easily replicated approach to anything they do, which is easy with something like a CPU. Yeah. You take a task, you throw it at the CPU, and it takes however long. This is something that anyone else could run around and verify if they had exactly the same resources and exactly the same methodology. That's the scientific method. With audio, 
whether people like it or not, there is a lot of subjectivity. Because, and I've heard this argument made to me, Linus, there is no subjectivity in pure audio reproduction, to which I would go, good for you. But pure audio reproduction doesn't necessarily sound good. So you could create the purest amp, purest DAC, purest audio file, and purest pair of headphones, and you could have 99 out of 100 people say, oh, it sounds like but, and not care. <laughs> it sounds like but. And that is why audio will continue to be subjective no matter how well we can measure whatever sound is being produced by whatever device being driven by whatever thing. So that's a big problem. So Tom's Hardware decided they were going to put objectivity into a subjective test by doing blind A-B... Well, it was, ended up being ABCD testing. So they had four different sources, one of which was a high-end onboard solution, one of which was an objective to, one of which was... Um, oh, crap, now I forget. What was their, uh, what was their really high-end one? It's a, uh... Shoot, now I'm in trouble. Uh, there we go, there we go, there we go. Uh, benchmark Media, yep, yep, yep. So uh, JDS Labs O2 and ODAC, uh, Benchmark Media Systems DAC2 HCG, and an ASUS Zoner Essence STX. That's the one I couldn't remember. So they have everything ranging from a $2 chip on your motherboard up to a couple hundred dollar DAC and AMP that uses like a, an open platform design that anyone can manufacture. Uh, there's actually a member of the Linus Tech Tips forums, Mayflower Electronics, that manufactures Objective 2 AMPs and DACs. And then up to sort of a $500 to $700 range a SUS external sound card all the way up to a $2,000 device. So what they did, and this is really important, is they leveled the audio volume across the different sources. So you turn all the knobs so that with one pair of headphones, you're, you, you, have to use a, you have to use a meter in order to make sure that the sound levels are the same, because that can be a really easy way for one thing to sound better than another one. Oh, well, this one sounds much more detailed. Well, it's actually a hair louder, so that's why you were able to. Um, so what they did was they leveled all the volumes as close as they could. They did say up front that they weren't able to get the onboard solution quite as uh, volume leveled as the other ones, but that no one noticed. More on that in a moment anyway. And then they just had four plugs, so they were able to have someone control eight different eight, <laughs> eight different listen, listen tests, and this was with a couple pairs of headphones, and then try to guess which was which across the blind test, and then find out how, how accurate they were. And I remember, I forget what the methodology it is, but I think you have to get something like 90% of them right in order to prove that you actually were able to tell the difference. So... Um, couple of caveats. Number one is they only used 300 ohm impedance headphones. So what they determined was that with high impedance headphones, none of the listeners, including one of the people who had bought the $2,000 amp and DAC, and therefore had as much investment as anyone in being able to prove to himself that he was able to hear the difference, not one of them was able to tell the sources apart. Owned. Oops. <laughs> so, okay, now there's, there's a couple things here. So I mentioned the 300-ohm headphone thing. Um, the impedance of your headphones versus the output impedance of your audio source 
is of importance. So the higher impedance your headphones are, the less important it is to have low output impedance on your audio source. So one thing that the Objective 2, that's the amplifier part of the, of the ODAC plus Objective 2, does particularly well is very low output impedance, which, like I said before, doesn't matter much when you're running very high impedance headphones, but when you compare to something like the, uh, the Asus uh, Zonar STX, which has fairly high output impedance, when you use much lower impedance headphones, something like 32 ohm impedance headphones, which are much more common for consumer grade headphones, that difference might be much more relevant. So Tom's is already working on reproducing the test using different headphones to find out if this is applicable to that as well. But the conclusion of the article is something that they've been saying, and guys in the audio subforum, I still don't like your attitude sometimes. You but... don't like their attitude, maybe you should buy an O2. Thank you for that. Your day's not going very well? It would probably be better if you bought an O2. Okay, so anyway, so the conclusions that they've been saying, they've been telling us, basically since Linus Tech Tips Forum started, that you basically can't tell the difference, looks like, according to the test that Tom's Hardware did, if nothing else, which I read and seems really well done, yeah. and I can't imagine Tom's having any kind of a kickback from real tech to, like, you know, yeah. promote that onboard sound is the best thing ever. Um, according to this test... There's no real benefit to high-end sound. Now, I do have more to say on this. So your onboard sound might have as good a DAC as anything else, but there is a wide range in amplifier quality. So things like um, things like oh, so so amplifier quality as well as as shielding and PCB isolation. So you could have an, a, a DAC that's great. That's the digital to analog converter that takes your digital sound and turns it into something your headphones and your speakers can understand. You could have a great DAC, but if you have a terrible amp that hisses or interference that causes you know when your mouse moves um, to hear that. We've all heard it probably. I, I definitely oh, have. Yeah. Yeah. That's not to say that every motherboard will have output audio quality that is equal to a $500 product. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is that the DAC itself doesn't appear to be making a difference. Fascinating. Um, you know what's funny is when I was advocating for sound cards, very, very hardcore, that was based on older motherboards. To be perfectly honest, I had made the switch from onboard sound to a sound card back in the um, Audigy 2 ZS days. That was when I switched over. And back then, Oh yeah, it made a difference. Made a real big difference. Aside from adding more channels, it was much, much better. It's not to say there weren't driver issues here and there and all those kinds of issues. So that was the last time I ever really did a comparison. And when we released, I forget what video it was. I don't remember, I don't remember what it was. But anyway, there was a video I released and I had some members of the forum challenge me to try a newer motherboard. So that's what I did. I happen to have a ton of really great audio sources at home right now. I have a shit stack. I have an Objective 2 with an ODAC. I have a Zonar, uh, whatever it's called, Essence 1. Did I say it's STX earlier? Sorry, sorry, it was an Essence, was it an, no, it was, it was an STX in the video. Yeah. I'm using an Essence 1, sorry, okay. sorry, STX is not an external sound card, I apologize. Um, so I have an Essence 1, and I have the onboard sound on my P9X79WSE, or whatever it is, Asus motherboard. Couldn't tell the difference. The other ones can go louder, that's for sure. And on some of them, things like the sound floor is much more noticeable. So, for example, using my IE80s, so these are these are pretty sensitive. They're IEMs compared to large headphones. Um, I can definitely hear that, particularly on the Objective 2, even if I turn the volume up, there's no like there's no hiss. 
Um, so the so the sound floor is quite low on that one, which is good because in the quiet part of a track, even if you're listening quite loud, it's nice to not have that hiss audible in the background. But aside from all that, there does not appear to be much difference. Oh, okay. Apparently, I am. I am confirmed. I am going to see uh, uh, Sexy Phil tonight. So there you go. It's S X E Phil. Whatever, Minus. man. Not Sexy Phil. I don't care. <laughs> Anyway, I'm going to see Phil DeFranco's thing in Vancouver. Uh, Brandon, B-roll, uh, one of our camera guys, is actually not at work today because he's uh, doing camera operation for the show. <laughs> yeah, he, he applied, and he was planning to attend, and now he's actually going to be filming it. It's so, actually pretty cool. So he's pretty excited. He's a bit of a yeah. source-fed nerd. Yep. <laughs> Get it? Cause... Oh! <laughs> I actually totally didn't get that at all at first. Oh, there was another conclusion from the Tom's test, and that was that 16-bit, 44.1 kilohertz files are as good as you could possibly need. Anything more is a waste of hard drive space, which is a pretty strong statement. Hilarious. Um, now, I did have one issue with their test, and that was that the only people who ever tried it were the testers. And... What I would like to see them do, or even if we could swing it... Like an open, an open testing? Is an open house, where anyone can come and validate for themselves. That'd be really cool. Because it's no secret that some people hear differently than others, which is another reason that purely objectively perfect sound is not necessarily the solution, because not everyone hears the same way. Um, so I would love to have people be able to... I mean, we have a, a big enough collection of headphones and dax and amps guys let us know uh tweet tweet if you'd like to uh if you'd like to see us do something like that at some point that'd be interesting and like because i even personally run different equalizer levels depending on what i'm listening to yep. meaning i am not listening to it at exactly what it's supposed to sound like so i don't know and i'm becoming more of a bass head every day i just turned up the bass ports in my ie 80s because i was like yeah bieber's not uh bieber's not bassy enough right now speaking of bieber are ever popular. Actually, I don't know where I put this. There it is. Yeah. Better than Bieber. Everybody's favorite news segment where we pick something in the world that isn't necessarily technology, but is definitely more important than what the Canadian wonder Justin Bieber is up to. Uh, so the Kepler mission has announced the, not necessarily, actually, I think, I don't really like the headline here. NASA has discovered 715 new worlds. It's not just discovery. They have actually confirmed the existence of 715 new worlds. More importantly than anything else, four of which appear to be within the habitable zones of their respective stars. Cool. That's kind of awesome. If you guys don't geek out about this, I mean, I don't know, I don't know what else there is to geek out about. Science and face, face, science and face is fantastic. Meant to say space. Yeah, but the science of the face is fantastic as well. Maybe not as fantastic. Think what we could space. learn by studying Justin Bieber's face. Not much. The way it's captivated millions, though. See, but the problem is that there's too much of a, a like a diffusion layer between the face and him because there's so much makeup. That you'd have to do much archaeological research to actually get to the face. To the face. I wonder if he still looks like he did four years ago. <laughs> Under the sheen of glamour. Anyway, okay, no, I don't want to talk about him anymore. So 95% of the planets are smaller than Neptune, which, to put that in perspective, is about four times the size of Earth. And the discovery actually marks a very significant increase. So this is 750 new ones. A very significant increase in the number of planets that are confirmed, or that were confirmed before. Actually, it's, uh, we went from under 1,000 to around 1,700, or around 1,000 to around 1,700. So that's absolutely huge. It's really cool. 
Um, so one of the new habitable zone planets orbits a star half the size of ours and 5% as bright as our sun. I mean, there are a lot of things that the scientists don't know yet, such as the composition of the planets. I mean, they could be predominantly gas planets or they could... I mean, they, they could have water on them or they could not. The habitable zone just means that liquid water could exist on them. Yeah. It doesn't mean that there's water on them. It just means so, it could be there. Still a ton more to do, as always is the news with any space science-y kind of discoveries, but really freaking interesting. We should give NASA more money. <laughs> Have I ranted about that on the show before? I'm not. I think so. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Probably at some point. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, constantly kind of ticked about. If we that. could figure out space instead of blowing each other up for just a little while, that'd be fantastic. Then we could blow up aliens. Exactly. And why isn't that more fun? Yeah. If if we can get Chris, what's his name, to go back up into space and not retire because he does not need to get out of the way for new astronauts because that's bull crap he needs to stay up there so that more people can be more interested and more chris hadfield there we go yeah. more people can be more interested and so that he can build hype about it so that there can be more money into it and so that there can be more capacity for astronauts he does not need to leave to make room i don't accept that excuse he needs to get back up there we need to give nasa more funding and take the funding out of duck penises because that is stupid and just so dumb. And then we need to keep going with NASA's initiative to spread money into independent companies that are also trying to get to space because NASA is thinking about piggybacking on other companies because it could be much more cost efficient because if you're not a government-run organization, you can do a lot of things. Like, you don't have to buy from certain groups. That's a big thing in the government. You, you have to purchase from certain areas to keep competition free and open. Right. Whereas if you were a private company, you could find the cheapest possible version of the exact thing that you want. Yeah. Because, like, there's certain times where they, they want to order, like, a package of pens, and it's, like, $50. It's like, well, nope, you can't go to Staples and buy one for two bucks because you have to do it through this pre-approved gateway or whatever. So, yeah, I'm going to stop ranting about space now so we can keep talking about things. <laughs> Should we talk about spritz? Yeah, let's talk about spritz. It's freaking awesome. So... Uh, here, you. This I think this is more applicable to you than it is to me for a couple of reasons. So why don't why don't I do a brief introduction of what Spritz is, and then you can talk about sort of the application. So Spritz takes what would okay. Normally the way you read is you have. In fact, this is great because you guys can see the way that you normally read. You have a whole bunch of words on a page or on a screen in front of you, and you actually move your eyes from word to word, looking for the part of the word that I believe they call. Oh crap! Now I forget what they call it. I think they call it the recognition point or something like that. The little center Optical thing. recognition point. So you're looking for the optical recognition point of the word that allows you to recognize that word and interpret it. And Spritz estimates that anywhere from about probably 80% of your time that you spend reading is spent looking for the optical recognition point as opposed to recognizing, interpreting, and processing the actual word. So what it does, and I wish that the, uh, shoot, I wish that the link here was actually to their homepage because we can, we can definitely show it. What it does is it just takes one word at a time and displays it on the screen for you to read instead of putting all the words in front of you. Okay, so you tried it, right? Now, I tried it and was 
honestly very easily able to get to the top WPM that is available through their website thing. So the drop-down menu that's right there, which I believe is 500. For context, guys, WPM means words per minute. Yeah, sorry. Okay. So if you can you check the drop-down real quick? Yeah, I think quick? it's 500. All right, so we'll go with 500. Um, and honestly, I was able to quite easily go along with 500 words per minute. The reason why this is so awesome to me is I read incredibly slowly. Um, I'm dyslexic, and I can get through things, and it's not like impossibly slowly, just if I'm sitting next to someone and we're trying to read something at the same time before we scroll, I'm always like, oh, crap. I need to kick it into high gear because there's no possible way that they're going to get there after me because I will always be the second one to get to the bottom page. A lot of times if I'm reading on my own, the amount of times I have to reread a paragraph is insane. Um, I love reading, which is another frustrating thing because it takes me forever to get through books, all this kind of stuff. So being able to read uh, news things or stuff for school, which is where I'm not trying to like absorb the essence of every single freaking word, and I just want to get the idea really quickly, this is awesome because if I can easily conquer 500 words per minute and hopefully easily conquer even higher than that, that would be very cool. Um, and one of the ways it works is you're not supposed to intently focus directly on that area. You're just kind of supposed to, and I noticed it helped a lot when I tried not to try to say every word in my head as it went by instantaneously. And I just kind of observed it going. Did you notice that as well? Yep. And as you turn up the speed here, I'm going to crank it up to 500 for them. As you turn up the speed, it becomes more and more important to, yeah. to learn. And they say it takes about five minutes to learn how to do it. It took me less. It took me less than five minutes yeah, to too. be able to spritz at 500 words per minute very, yeah. very quickly. Um, and I'm sure the more you get used to it, like I think they're saying it goes up to 900 or 1,000 words per minute. I'm sure if you, if you used it all the time and you just incrementally went up, you could actually get up there. It's pretty crazy. So, okay. I see the benefits. Um, their goal, I think, is pretty aggressive. I think they wanted something like 15% of the world's reading to be done via spritz by 20-something or other. I can't remember. Anyway, they have a very aggressive goal, and I see their point, and I see the value for certain things like smartwatches. Yeah. This would be a great way to read your latest text message. If you mm -hmm. like a notification, and you have like the option, like read or spritz. You could say spritz, and then you could like read the whole thing. And like, I mean, 1,000 words per minute, so that would be, what, six words per second or whatever that works out to? I'm not, I'm not great at math. 240 words per second? I don't know. No, no, that's, yeah, no, no, not that. 1,000 words per minute. So what's that? Divided by 60. Thank you. 16 words per second. So if you could read it at 16, 16 words per second, you could read a tweet. So uh, 140 divided by 16, so it's going to be, what, about 8 seconds you could read a tweet. Um, that seems slow. No, that's not right. Where is it right? Yeah, divided by 16. Yeah, about eight and a half seconds you could read a tweet, and it would just like appear on your on your watch or on Google Glass, for example, places where we're going to be stuck with extremely small displays. The place where I... You just did 140. It's not 140 words per Twitter thing. It's 140 characters. Characters, right. That's the problem. So you could like, read the whole... I there's no way that's Yeah, right. so assuming like an average of like five characters per word or something like that, you could probably read it in like two or three seconds or whatever. So Really quick. So that's really fast. Right, thank you. Thank you. I'm sure that Twitch chat was freaking out and helping Well, they haven't there. yet because, yay, Twitch delay. Right, the delay. Yeah, it's 140 characters, not words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> there they go. There they go. So, okay, I see the point of it for certain things, but I still am not going to switch to Sprint for a lot of the stuff I do yeah. because I'm a skimmer. So as fast as I could spritz an entire page of text, I guarantee you I can skim it 10 times faster because I tend to be the kind of reader that goes, okay, I'm reading this SSD review. I want to know about... Um, read consistency or write consistency, performance consistency. So I can skim a page probably at about this speed and look for the word it's kind consistency of and then go back and read the parts that are important to me. And I might not actually read it in order. 
And that's my reading comprehension is very strong that way. Whereas if I actually read word for word, I may not remember as much, but I haven't spritzed extensively yet. And they're claiming that reading comprehension is improved by spritzing. Another problem that I have is the way that I tend to read books because I don't have a great memory for names and characters. So reading uh, Song of Fire and Ice, Ice and Fire rather, um, reading Song of Ice and Fire is real challenging for me because there's so many characters that what I'll often find myself doing is going back and checking things and spritzing wouldn't really allow me to do that. It would just like power yeah, through. Yeah. But then if it improves my reading comprehension and retention, then maybe it's great. I don't think I'd be able to use this properly for a book because I think also like at certain speeds, blinking is even going to be a big deal. Yeah. And staring at this thing for an extremely long period of time, I think could be frustrating, but text messages, um, tele whatever it comes down to, yeah. whatever you start doing, short form email, stuff like that could be a lot easier to just fly through. Uh, the news headlines, I'm sure RSS could come back in a big way. I know it hasn't gone away, but it's right. a lot smaller than it used to be. If, if you could just be like spritz updates on your Google Glass every once in a while. Just Imagine how much more trivial crap you could process on Twitter with this. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like reading the home tab on Twitter would be viable. Right now, it's just kind of yeah, oh kind of God. difficult to Too deal many with. things going on. All right, so what do we got next? Oh, this is this is probably going to be a Luke topic. What? Oculus. Oh yeah. Uh, should I just like go through all of the Oculus things all of a sudden? Um, Star Citizen yeah. hangar support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do all your Oculus stuff. Oculus time. So it, it requires a minor edit to one of the files, but you can get Oculus Rift working in the Star Citizen hangar. I'm definitely doing that this weekend. Like, there's no chance that I'm not doing that this weekend. Um, so I'm super excited about that because being able to get into the cockpit of your ship. Of course, you can't fly anywhere yet. That's coming in dogfighting around April 18th. Um, but you can get in the cockpit of your fighter or whatever you have and look around and actually see everything oh my god that's so cool um there's also a big post on neogaf that was put up recently about someone who went to valve valve is giving all of their tech to oculus as we already know and the guy was just completely blown away about the, the vr room that they have going which is set up where there's cameras around and stuff and you're looking at qr codes and the qr codes can queue events so while you're walking around the room different things can happen and one of the things that he said was he's not afraid of heights or anything he's like very notably not afraid of heights yet when he walked up to what was portrayed as a cliff edge. Oh, I'm just so... like, oops, sorry, sorry. Oh, Twitch chat's probably freaking out. Were you just playing a video? Yep. Awesome. When he went up to what was portrayed as a cliff edge, he was actually legitimately scared to walk off and didn't for a little while until he was finally gathered his, uh, his, his senses, I guess, and finally decided to actually take that step, and he said it was legitimately scary. That's, That's very so cool. interesting. Um, so I actually don't know a ton about this article, despite putting it in here myself, um, I believe. But Way to go. All right, here, I'll bring it up if you want to just go through it. Sure. So uh, this, this is, I guess, people exploring singular scenes with Oculus Rift. I actually haven't looked at this at all. Okay, so basically, it's uh, it's the, the article on um, marketingmagazine.co.uk is about alternative uses for the Oculus. So they're talking about it with in the context oh, yeah, of things like test driving a car, um, things like doing a virtual tour of a house that you're thinking of buying. I mean, imagine how this makes the world smaller. I mean, the way people shop for real estate now. Yep. is you go to the house and you walk around it in order to get a feel for the space. What if you could just go to the, you know, the, the real estate agent's office where they have like 
you know, five oculuses that are like the communal oculuses. Oculi? You, yeah, oculi, sure. You put one on <laughs> and then you can, you can do a, an actual, so, okay, right. So going back to that phone project from last week where you just walk around and map the place with the phone, okay? And then you throw on an oculus somewhere halfway around the world and you can actually shop for a new home somewhere completely across the, the globe. And experience it. And I actually, experience I actually it. have totally read this. I just, the title that was in the doc threw me off. Uh, I looked at the URL and figured it out. Ah. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting. And there's a bunch of other things coming into play too, is um, some guy had an artificial hand put on. His hand was cut off for whatever reason and he had it replaced with an artificial one. And he was able to, through a screen so that he can't see it, reach and touch something and tell people what it was. Because feeling was portrayed and he could tell textures and stuff like that. So he could tell them what he was touching without being able to see it with an artificial hand. So if they can get that type of technology into something like gloves or something like that, and then you can wear an Oculus, you could walk around an environment and feel things and look at things and experience that environment without actually being there. This comes into play with a bunch of things that have been happening recently with uh, like golf courses. Like you were just talking, you could shop for a house. Yep. You could also go through a walkthrough of a golf course. There's a lot of people that travel around to different golf courses because such amazing experiences if you could walk the greens before actually going there that's awesome they've already done things with uh allowing you to go on essentially like google street view tours of golf courses you can see the whole thing but if you could virtually walk it that's just even a lot more interesting and i think not even necessarily just the rift and not even necessarily just oculus but just vr in general i think is going to be a huge marketing tool in the future, no matter what way you look at it. Because now, um, another thing that people have brought up is, you know how people have always called, or not always, but <clears throat> The recently, entire Twitch chat seems to only be interested in VR porn. Well, that's, I'm sure that's going to be huge. There's, there's no point in trying to shove that under a blanket. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't think it'll fit in there. Um, that, that's going to be huge, but like people have been talking, I know I had to say it again. Uh, people have been talking recently about how Best Buy is just like an Amazon showroom. Yeah. Maybe you don't need an Amazon showroom anymore. Right. Maybe you just put an Oculus on. Probably won't need unboxing videos anymore. Yes, you will. It's a good thing we don't do them anymore. <laughs> that was so funny. Like how few people even like cared when I brought it up at people, the end of that video. People that I talk to and I'll like bring up Linus Tech Tips and they'll be like, yeah, I like his unboxing videos. Like, oh, yeah, do you still watch? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's cool. <laughs> we don't do that anymore, so I yeah. don't know. Yeah, I, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but, um, we actually don't do them. <laughs> we haven't done one in, like, months. <laughs> Quite a while, actually, yeah. So I don't know. Again, as every week, exciting things in VR are happening. Yeah, and one of the big things from the article as well. So this is Mike Woods, the uh, head of the company, VFX company, Frame Store or something, behind Gravity, anyway, behind that movie, is talking about using this for storytelling. So using real-time game engines to to do more interactive storytelling. I mean, this, this to me, VR is great for gaming, yep. and it's going to be great for movies, in some ways. I think, okay, I've, I've heard the movie thing many, many times, and like you're doing right there yes. with the games and movies thing, I don't think it's going to be a movie anymore. Games have been interactive storytelling experiences for a while now. Let's yep. be honest with ourselves. Yep. Quick time events. Especially um, certain games. So if we could take Hollywood's storytelling ability, which you can like or you can hate on Hollywood all you want, whatever, um, but if we could take the raw talent that is available in the movie industry and bring that to the interactive storytelling experience, maybe we wouldn't have so many complaints about this game sucks because it was entirely story-driven and the story was stupid. 
maybe we would get interactive storytelling experience games like like Wally, for example. Yeah. And we could be fat with our big juice, and we could sit in our chair that we never move from, just like Wally, and experience them. It's 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 ridiculously interesting. I'm excited to see what it comes from, and especially from people like the guys who made Gravity. Uh, Chris Hadfield aside, hating Gravity and getting kicked out of the theater. But anyways, uh, <laughs> it'd be really interesting if you could move that to a VR experience, because I'm sure different parts of that movie would like legitimately scare people. And you're moving from like a lot of horror movies nowadays just being jump scares, which is stupid in my opinion, yeah. to actually inciting fear because you feel like you're actually in the movie, which I think is really cool. Apparently Reddit debunked uh, spritz. Something, something. This sounds too good to be true because it is. RSVP, rapid serial visual presentation. This technology being showcased here doesn't work. The technique was a massive field of research in military neuroscience in the 70s. They tested reading speed and comprehension using it. I'm just going to summarize their findings. It feels as though it works because we see all the words. At no point do we feel we're missing anything, but that doesn't mean we can actually process the words. doesn't increase rate of comprehension. Uh, reading with RSVP can cause problems parsing sentences. In normal reading, our eyes scan around the page. Yeah. Okay, so we'll see. Why don't we just... And Well, this is also the reason why you and I both said we wouldn't read a book. That was based on reading Harry Potter. Yeah. We would quickly read headlines and different things that we don't necessarily have to fully absorb. This is actually something I exactly said. I don't want to necessarily absorb every single individual word. That's why if I was reading a book, I would read it normally. Because if I want to make sure that I'm getting every single individual word, I would read it normally. If I'm just grabbing a quick headline, and the only two words I actually care about in the headline are, like, 714 and New Worlds, so I guess that's three words, um, I'm not too worried about fully comprehending we found blah, 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 because that's not really a big deal. I just want to get the gist of it as fast as I possibly can. So, sure, Reddit, but I don't care. <laughs> All right, so speaking of things that most people in the U.S. won't care about, this phone. <laughs> Here we go, this guys. Phone. The Nokia XL. So... This will be running Android, so the, the whole word on the street, yes, Nokia's going Android, um, yeah, they're doing it. However, it will be a fully customized version of Android, so this is going to be a forked Android, which means that you're not going to have um, access to the Google Play Store, you're not going to have a lot of the support for Nokia, because remember, anyone making a device that is running a forked version of Android does not get support from Google, like... At all. I don't think they get G apps at all either, do they? I don't believe so. Yeah. So it'll be running a completely customized version of Android. You will be able to install Android apps, but you'll have to manually download the APK, which frankly isn't that big of a deal if you're if you're tech savvy and you're willing to work around it. The specs on it aren't particularly high end. They're they're actually nothing special. I mean, even the screen I believe is 400 by 800, 800 by 480. So that's WVGA, wide VGA. So really nothing special, but it's supposed to be a low end device. So it's got a five inch display. It's going to be priced. At at around 109 euros, or equivalent to around $150. It'll have front and back cameras. And um, so, yeah, so things like uh, Play Store are removed and replaced with Nokia's App Store, and uh, Microsoft's OneDrive replaces Google Drive. And so this is just part of a new family of Android-powered devices, but I think it's going to be really interesting to see um, how much acceptance something like this can, can gain, because... I think what? the only way they're going to be able to do it is by hitting that price point, because it's really not that impressive of a phone. But would you buy a Moto G instead? A How much hun- exactly is a Moto G? 
$179.99. Then yes. That's an extra $30 for a proper Android experience. I, like, I don't even know what... Yeah, I probably would. But we're talking potentially about developing markets anyway, where $30 might actually be a really big difference. But then if you have... I don't know, guys. Tweet us. Let us know what you think. If you have $150 to spend, do you have $180 to spend? For you personally. Like, if you're deciding between a $150 item or a $180 item, is the $30 a factor for you? I think it, it's it's always going to be a B-list for me. Like, say I'm in that situation. Yeah. Um, I would honestly rather save for, like, two months if I had to, or more, and just get the better phone, because I would way rather a Moto G over that. But if it was a situation that I have been in before, which is where, like, your you phone is dead, now. you need something now, if I only have the 150 bucks. Okay, that's that's a fair point. Because, I mean, like, technology in particularly, like, I'm one of the biggest cheapskates around when it comes to things other than technology, to be perfectly honest. But with technology, I have the luxury of getting, oh, oh, I didn't even realize. That's what, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. Oh, shoot. Okay. So it's like... Yeah, let's get our guest, let's get our guest rolling here. So, uh, let's, do you want to, do you want to start the call while I just sort of talk very briefly about this? Shoot, I can't believe I didn't. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Um, yeah, like I've always had the luxury of, well, not always, but like working at NCIX, I'd get deals on stuff. Yeah. And then now we get samples of a lot of stuff. So I don't necessarily think about $30 the same way as when I'm buying a new tool, for, for, for example. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When I'm actually shopping for things. And 30 then, bucks is a big deal. You're also much more interested in that type of stuff. So it's, for other people, maybe the phone isn't as big of a deal. So they want to save the 30 bucks. Yeah. And I that's could definitely see that. Like My I'm dad not... has a $60 phone right now that runs Android. Right. And I'm not a tool hobbyist. Yeah. I, whatever saw cuts the wood, that's what I buy. Got a wooden handle, composite handle, carbon fiber handle, what do I care? That being said, my, my dad does use tools all the time and still wouldn't buy the more expensive tool. So I, so I think different strokes for different folks. And I do want to hear what you guys have to say on Twitter. Uh, but we have our guest joining us. And I feel sort of super, super terrible right now. That Oh, does it have the right microphone on there? Uh, I hope. You hope. Hey, Tom, can you hear us? Yeah, I can. How's it going? Yes, rock on. Okay, let's go ahead and uh, throw up the guest. Don't throw up the guest. I mean, he's... He's, <laughs> he's, deli- <laughs> he, he's, he's delicious. We wouldn't, we wouldn't throw him up at all. So, guys, um, hey, Tom, welcome to the show. Uh, how, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'm Tom from somewhere Chrono Fusion in the chat has never heard of. Nice to be here. <laughs> Chrono Fusion, we love you. Chrono Fusion is our is our neighborhood um, purveyor of things that are not necessarily appealing to him or something. <laughs> Captain Captain Negativity and Positivity. Yeah, He's my apologies for being late. I just got done with Current Geek about ten minutes ago or so. So uh, thanks thanks for bringing me on though. It's, uh, I'm looking forward to this. So for those of you who are like Chrono Fusion and don't know where Mr. Merritt is from, give us a, give us a little bit of a brief history of you and what you do and what you're all about. Yeah, I've been kicking around uh, for a while. I used to work at Tech TV way back in the day, and I worked at CNET for several years, and I did some shows for Twit uh, for several years. So I've done some tech journalism writing and audio podcasts and videos. And what I'm doing now, I'm an independent podcaster, so I have a daily show called Daily Tech News Show where we do what it says on the tin. We just Very look creative. at the Daily Tech News. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and then I also have uh, several other independent shows. One called Cord Killers is about cord cutting. Another one called Sword and Laser is a science fiction and fantasy book show. Uh, and then Current Geek is like kind of a weekly wrap up of geeky stuff that I do with Scott Johnson. Uh, those are the main shows that I do every week. And I've got a few other indie projects out there as well. So tell us a little bit about how important your your community has been to your recent independence. It's it's been essential. Uh, you know, we've I've I've been lucky enough to be involved with amazing communities at Tech TV when I was doing the show Buzz Out Loud at CNET and at Twit. Uh, and so a lot of them have continued to say, hey, you know, I like the stuff you do. How can we support it? And it's it's been overwhelming. It's been awesome. Okay, we're just going to turn you down just, just a touch. I, okay, I hear yeah. my bass is too bassy. <laughs> you got that AM radio sound, whereas I have that uh, excited chipmunk sound. <laughs> AM radio isn't bassy, though. If I'm AM, that'd be good. But you got that nice sound to it, because you're nice and close to your mic, and you got that pop filter and all that. We've got like a, here, I don't know if you can see this, but we've got like a boom mic sort of above us. <laughs> you guys look good, though. I was watching the Twitch stream. It looks great. Oh, thank you. We actually are using a Blackmagic cinema camera for our uh, for our like video podcasting camera now. It's difficult to. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm trying to look at you, Tom, but I got to look at the audience too, and it's. No worries. I've got you out of the corner of my eye too, because I got to look at the camera. Excellent. So yeah, the. Um... Uh, we're using a Blackmagic Cinema camera, which we also use for other projects. But now that we have it, we figured, well, hey, let's amp up the quality of our video stream. And, you know, $2,000 camera is never a bad way to go for like, no a video No doubt. Podcast. Yeah, no, it looks really good. Um, so let's speaking of webcams, let's jump into our first guest topic here, shall we? The uh, the source that we have on this one is from The Guardian, but my understanding is you've actually talked about this before. I'm going to go ahead and just uh, prime the audience on it here. <clears throat> So, the Optic Nerve, a project that allowed millions of Yahoo webcam images to be intercepted by GCHQ. If that's not a giant security facepalm moment, I don't know what is. Yeah, this is a this is a pretty crazy story. It comes from the Edward Snowden leaks, obviously. And essentially what they were doing was capturing Yahoo chat video every five minutes and saving a still image into a big database. And and what's interesting is they were actually had a lot of rules over how they could access it. They, they, they you know, it's GCHQ in the UK, so they have different rules in the United States, but they were saying we can only look for particular uh, usernames or similar usernames. And that's where it gets uh, dicey, right? Because if I happen to have a username that just sounds like the terrorist that they're looking for from, from Afghanistan, or at least the guy they think is, right? Right. I'm, I can have my images saved. And the other crazy thing is in the policy manual, they said, you're going to see, some, you know, we were surprised to find out that people use these chats to show intimate parts of their body. And I'm like, you've never used the internet before if you're surprised <laughs> by so that. The document estimates that between 3 and 11%, because I guess they didn't pour through every single one, uh, 3, per, 3 to 11% of the Yahoo webcam imagery harvested contains undesirable nudity. So is yes. that nudity? <laughs> I want to know how much desirable nudity there was. So is that the nudity other than like Scarlett Johansson? <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, no, and, 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 I, I honestly don't care about saying too much in defense of this because it's way over the line. Uh, but we did talk on Daily Tech News Show about 
how do you do this right? And there are a lot of policies that they had in these leaks that were saying you can only ask for this kind of information. You can only see the metadata unless you're going after a very specific person. And they were trying to use facial recognition to be able to say, just go. We don't want to look at it. Just go through and find that. But there were problems because the facial recognition software couldn't tell naked flesh from faces sometimes. <laughs> Especially with them low-res webcams, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, you can, you can start making some jokes about your, what your face might look like, uh, to the facial recognition software. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's just the sort of thing where, and we, we talked on my show about, we want people, we want them to find people who want to kill folks, right? We, we do want that. But how do you, how can you do that without, trespassing on people's privacy like this and, and one person wrote in and was like you get a warrant right but then how do you find this kind of information it's tempting right if you have the ability right. to tap into a cable and pull all these images and you could say you could just promise like oh i won't look at anything except you know the things that that are related to the to the person i'm after well you got to trust people and and there's not a lot of trust out there right now well there's not a lot of trust right now and the, the problem is that why should there be and okay, so there's 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 sort of there's two things here. Is number one is do we trust the machines? Do we trust the algorithms? And earlier on the show, I actually okay, I said should we let Gmail you know read our mail? Yes, I know it's not actually a, a, an army of Google employees reading every email you send. That's ridiculous. But it is an algorithm that goes through and looks for keywords and then targets their advertising at you and then. Who knows what else? Because that's the problem. If we trust the machine or we don't trust the machine, we inherently have to trust a person at some point. And that person can tweak the algorithm or someone somewhere has access to override whatever systems are in place because nobody builds a system that has no back door. And the problem I have again now, so sometimes I trust the person. In fact, a great example of that is uh, Valve, okay? I think that the community, the gaming community, trusts Gabe Newell of Valve. But companies are, particularly companies that aren't private companies, they transcend the individuals. Yeah. It's never about the individual person. So, Tom, what is the solution here? How do we trust anyone to do this? Yeah, I don't know that you can. And I think this is an example of when you don't have proper supervision, you don't have oversight. There's no one from the outside telling you to stop. You start to get things like this that internally make sense, right? At some point, they were just like, we need to be able to go out and tap into a chat. How do we do that? And then it's step by step from there. Well, to do that, we just need to do this. Well, let's justify that because we really need to do it. And eventually, you're scanning every person on Yahoo's video and saving still images every five minutes. And you've led yourself to believe that makes sense. Well, Okay, maybe it did make sense, but it's way over the line and you've lost perspective. And if you don't have oversight, if you don't have someone from the outside saying, wait a minute, you shouldn't be able to do this. And, and, and if you are going to do this, you really need to show that it's absolutely necessary. And that hasn't been shown in a lot no. of this stuff either, right? They, they have not been able to demonstrate that this has led to any kind of significant prevention of terrorism. Uh, then there needs to be somebody that says you can't do this anymore. The other side of this though is Yahoo. You know, they were outraged in, yeah. in, the, in public when, when they saw this and they said they're going to take steps to encrypt. They should have been encrypting all along. You know, everybody's been saying that for years and suddenly right. you realize, oh, all that things, that stuff we said we should do, but we kind of didn't because it was hard and costly. Yeah, we should have done that. And now they're going to have to. 
But this is something that we've actually talked about a fair bit on this show, and that's that to the tech enthusiasts, to the guys like you and me and our viewers, really, um, the, the concept of digital privacy and its importance is becoming more and more to the forefront. Whereas to the general layperson, I would argue that it's becoming less and less of a thing about which that they are thinking on a day-to-day -day basis. The first time I saw someone who got their driver's license take their brand new driver's license and post it publicly on Facebook, mm. I just about crapped myself. And I was thinking, do you have any idea what you've just done? And they didn't. And as the technology continues to change, what's that project called? The, uh, the scanning phone one. The, the phone project Tango. Project Tango. Uh, have you oh, heard about Project, project Tango? Tango? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Okay. So as technology like that is all of a sudden built into the pocket of every person who grows up in a society where they really have a mentality that is, well, I'm not doing anything wrong, so it doesn't really matter if anyone's looking at it. How much more closely can we be spied on, and will there ever be a limit? Because you talk about an overseeing body, but then we have to trust them. And you can't let just anyone be the overseeing body because then you could be putting the terrorists right in charge of the whole thing. Well, yeah, there's turtles all the way down at that point, right? I mean, you, you just you, you can't trust anybody and nothing can be done. So you have to put a system of checks and balances in place if you ever want to be able to do anything. I do think that people are getting more security minded. I think when you see things okay. like what you're talking about with the driver's license, it's an em it's emblematic of how not security minded we've been. Yeah. We're growing up as a culture where people say, oh, I didn't even think about that because I didn't have to think about it before. And you're right. You're absolutely right that folks who are into technology and enthusiastic technology are much more security minded, especially about technology than other people. But I do think that those sorts of situations, because they're happening, because that person who would have never posted a photo online in the past now does because they have a smartphone, right. has to actually start confronting like, oh, wait, maybe that wasn't a good idea, right? So I, I tend to be – maybe I'm being a little Pollyanna about it. But I tend to be optimistic that this is actually all going to help companies get more secure, people become at least slightly aware of security issues where I don't think they ever would have before. I actually have to agree with Tom on this one because I used to see that up. Yeah, I, that's I fine. It's just my show. You know, I just pay your salary. You, know, whatever. you can be your show and you can also be wrong. Free um, speech. <laughs> Uh, I've seen that in the past. I've seen multiple people post driver's license on Facebook. That exact right. thing that you just described, I've seen that more than once. I also saw that more than once years ago. I haven't seen that in a long time. I think people are doing bad security movements in ways that they don't realize, but they are learning things as they go along. And as a community, I haven't seen something as stupid as like social insurance numbers or remember that old thing like, oh yeah, do you know if you post on Facebook your social insurance number, it turns into pound signs? Like, like, I haven't seen people fall for stuff like that in a really long time. Right. But then, uh, so I guess then what we can probably all agree on then is that it will continue to be an arms race, and we just have to have faith in people to continue to learn. Definitely. Okay. So let's talk another security sort of topic here. Something that, okay, tell me. What a tell perfect me transition, wrong. right? Up, up front, man. Did you have any Bitcoins in Mt. Gox? No, I've never kept any of my Bitcoins anywhere but on a hard drive that's disconnected from the Internet most of the time. Okay. See, and again, it's that security-mindedness, whereas when lay people, like the not-tech heads, get on, glom onto something like Bitcoin, they might go after it with an approach that's not necessarily perfect. So this was posted by Bonsai99 on our forum. Uh, Mount Gox, which for those of you who actually don't know this, stands for Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. A lot of people don't know this, but they, they, they didn't start out as, like, cryptocurrency and, like, as a financial institution. Um, 
closes its doors without warning, apparently declaring insolvency. And as of, I believe that was today, uh, they basically came out and said, yeah, we don't have any of it. It's all over. Yeah, they uh, they they filed the equivalent of Chapter 11 bankruptcy in Japan. And this sort of fits with some slides that were leaked on Monday that showed that their plan, if these slides are accurate, is to wind down, apologize, uh, reorganize the finances and come up with a new plan to restructure and try to keep people from going crazy and become a new company called Gox. They'll drop the magic the. They'll just be gathering online exchange, I guess. Uh, the, and, and, and the current CEO would step down. And the first step towards that happening was him apologizing and doing a deep bow in public uh, for the company, which is kind of a normal thing when a, a Japanese company really screws up. Yeah. And so the next step, if, if the slides are accurate, would be that they would name a new CEO and Mark Carpelis would, would step down. So if you did have your Bitcoins in Mt. Gox, would a deep bow be enough for you? I mean, to put this in, in perspective, for the viewers who aren't aware of this already, over 300 million U.S. dollars worth of Bitcoins are just, it's suspected well, I heard that 408 million, so there's different numbers floating around. But okay, I heard 380 yeah. earlier today, so... Okay. I, I've heard everywhere from low 300 to getting up to high 400. So I guess it, it depends on whether you're looking at Wink Dex or Coinbase or whatever, how you sure. figure out how much they're worth. Um, I mean, is that enough for you? Would you even allow, would you even consider trusting this company again? No, absolutely not. And I, I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to salvage what they can from a company. Uh, but if Gox comes along with a new CEO and says, store your Bitcoins here, hell no. I, I don't know what they could possibly do. Their only hope is to get people who don't really aren't really aware of the past and not screw up again. Uh, and maybe they'll be able to get some folks there. They're also the people who actually have Bitcoins there that they can keep because those people want to get their Bitcoins back. So they can dangle that prospect of we can't give them to you now. But if we get the company back on its feet and get them rolling, we can honor your deposit eventually and you'll eventually get them back. One thing that amazes me is that they think that removing Magic the is going to get all the stigma away. Like, you're still Gox. It still sounds almost identical to Mount Gox. This isn't going to make everyone forget what happened. And it's, it's something where if this was a more mainstream thing, then I could see something like that actually working. I mean, we've seen the whole change the name of the company, change the CEO, and the history just kind of goes away. Yeah, we manufactured like something that had a chemical that killed a bunch of people. I mean, even I mean, look at something like Scotchgard. Okay, the number of birth defects that came about due to the manufacture of Scotchgards about what fifty years ago. Does that. anyone even remember this anymore? Do you even think about it when you see a can of Scotchgard on the shelf? Companies can come back. And they can, and things can be completely forgotten. But this is the enthusiasts that they pissed off. This isn't the general consumer who doesn't really give much thought to it. This is the guys who were really excited and did research to even find out about Bitcoin and mine them in the first place that they have pissed off. And I think that's pretty much game over. Yeah, I think it's. I think you're right, Luke. It, it, you got to change that name, it, they're, yeah. they're, especially because of your points about it being, you know, the enthusiasts. It should be. Arsabi or something. Like, yeah. Really sorry about being incompetent. <laughs> the gathering. The yeah. Gathering. <laughs> yeah definitely. Online exchange. It's 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 not enough and it's too much. It's not enough of a change and it's too much of a massive theft of money essentially. Well, okay, so that, who has the money, man? I want to know. Yeah. I, I want somebody to dig in and yeah. investigate that because apparently they were using transaction malleability to steal coins for two years without anybody at Mount Gox knowing. Is that an inside job? 
Sounds like, uh, what was it, the plot of Office Space? Is that the right movie that I'm thinking of? <laughs> Somebody with it needs a stapler at the basement of Mount Gox. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, okay, tell, tell me this. Okay, so forget about, this is something that I, that I've sort of, as someone who doesn't follow cryptocurrency, maybe as closely as I should, I look at something like Dogecoin and I go, you know what? These guys might actually have the right stuff because even though it started out as a complete joke. I thought you were going to say you look at Dogecoin and say amaze, but okay, go ahead. (laughs) So amaze, very money. Much happy, okay? That's what I say about it. But what I, but it is, it's the much happy. They're really good at PR. Everything that comes out about Dogecoin is positive. We're going to send the Jamaican bobsled team to the Olympics. We're going to donate this to charity. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Whereas Bitcoin almost had, because being first can either be an advantage or a disadvantage. And Bitcoin had the advantage of being first. They have that, that, that Kleenex effect where normal peop, newscasters on you know CNN or whatever are going to refer to cryptocurrency as Bitcoin until yeah. something is much bigger, probably for a long time. But then they also have the disadvantage of every mistake getting hung on their necks all throughout the beginning here. All of the negative um, connotations of Bitcoin that are that you can use it to buy drugs and sex and hitmen is going to be hung on Bitcoin. Who do you see winning this battle? Is it going to be Litecoin, Purecoin, Dogecoin, Bitcoin, or none of the above? And are these guys all just trailblazers and we should see them as what they are, a way to make a quick buck? and then cash out back into good old U.S. dollars and wait for the next thing. What are you um, doing? I, I, I would stay away from Coinye. That would be my, <laughs> my one piece of advice. Thank you. Thank sure. you. I'm glad we had you on the show. <laughs> uh, but honestly, yeah, I think the better – I don't want to say the better money is on because then that's going to lead us to, down a whole other path. But I think Bitcoin has the advantage. And, and the fact that they're taking all of the flack – is because they are the more solid system and at, at this point still the more proven system. Even though they're not totally proven, they've right. been around longer and they've been through more. And I think that is their advantage is that there are all, are all these other exchanges and you do have people setting up an exchange the day that Mt. Gox goes down saying, you know what, we still believe in this currency. So in a way, I almost feel the fact that they have all this bad press is emblematic of their strength. Because they're able to fight through all that sort of thing. If Dogecoin had a similar uh, challenge, I don't think that they would survive. I don't know if Litecoin would. Maybe it would. Uh, right. Maybe Dogecoin would too. I think it's. I think there's a 20% chance maybe that one of these secondary systems comes along and finds a, a, an actual feature that is better than Bitcoin. But until something like that happens, I don't think the the kind of the ebb and flow of, of Reddit and the internet and, and opinion really matters in the long run. And, right. and another thing comes in where uh, resiliency can actually help a lot, especially when you're dealing with something like currency, mm-hmm. where being if you see a currency that's insanely f- uh, like fluctuates all the time, it's scary. But then you're getting into coins, so you're expecting that at least some amount. But then when you see bitcoins, where it can take massive hits like this, like Tom was just saying, and rebound and, and rebounds and still exists and climbs again, that's comforting. And I could actually see people coming back to it, no matter how much I do like the charitable nature of Dogecoin. And yeah, I, mean, I got one nothing other... to say bad about Dogecoin either. I, th- I think they're hilarious and fun and cool. <laughs> and I mean, one other possibility too, though, is I mean, I think my my question was probably poorly worded because I was asking who was going to be the winner, without, of course, presenting the possibility that we could just. I mean, it could just be like world currency the way it is now. Yeah, you can there may not have a hundred currencies. Yeah, 
No, I, I think that's fair. And I, I think that's, you know, I, and I'll, I'll revise my answer in response to say that 20% might end up being like a 20% usage, right? Market cap. Certain features that come along in these various coins along the way certainly could make them better for certain purposes, right? And so, yeah, the market cap isn't the biggest, but they get used because they're really excellent for a certain kind of transaction. In much the same way that gold will still get used for things. Yeah. Or or um, euros. Or goats. <laughs> or euros goats. Is actually really good. Or exactly. our Canadian tire bucks. <laughs> Canadian tire bucks. You know, hey, those are awesome. I have paid someone in Canadian tire dollars once. You're not the first person I've heard say that. Yeah. <laughs> How did you get enough? How did I get enough? Yeah. Oh, my my dad is to, as a tool guy, and he would always give me his Canadian uh, tire money because he, uh, it was it was fun. And then I I wanted something from a kid at school, and he wanted something from Canadian Tire, so me <laughs> I got lunch. I mean, it wasn't a big deal, but. <laughs> Anything that someone will accept as as tender is cash. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, I think that's all I had to say on the whole Bitcoin thing. You ready to move on to Samsung Galaxy S5? Mm, I guess. The least exciting <laughs> thing ever. I'm more excited about the Gear Fit than I am about the S5. That uh, is sad. I know. And I'm not that excited about the Gear Fit. I think it's interesting. <laughs> but, yeah, I, I feel like I, I know it's a TikTok situation, right? Like yeah. every other release is not going to be as crazy uh, as the previous one. But – I really, I'm, st- I'm struggling to find the big thing with the S5, which is wa- the the uh, the water and dust resistance. That is cool. That is a cool a cool thing. It's certainly not enough to make me say, and therefore I'm buying a Galaxy S5 as my next phone. The problem for for me with that is that it's not breaking any new ground. No. Because what Samsung did in the past, I mean, take the S2. It was arguably the first legitimately really good Android smartphone. They brought the AMOLED screen to it, which was great for power and display and all those things. It was huge at the time. Like, like physically, the, the screen was very large at the time, and the, the industrial design compared to other Android phones at the time was, was really good. So it was really good in a lot of different ways. Whereas the Galaxy S5, and I'd even say the Galaxy S4, is not better there's something that's better in every possible way which makes it hard for it to hold the same kind of to be put on the same kind of a pedestal that i think samsung would like us to does that make sense yeah it does and i i think it's a symptom of how close to commodification smartphones have become yeah they're just uh, you know we've reached the the desktop computer phase uh, or at least we're pretty close to reaching really quickly, that phase. Eh? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they have screens. There's only a certain amount of sizes they can have, and we've pretty much put one out in every size before they become a tablet. Uh, and they have touch, and they have speed, LTE speeds, and the processors have maxed out. I mean, you don't get much out of having a bigger processor. Maybe you get a little more out of having more cores, but there's really not that much more you can do with them. I'm not saying that that's the end of smartphones. There's going to be somebody to come up with some software development and maybe even a couple of hardware tweaks here and there. But it's more what you can do with other other things with smartphones that seems to be where the more interesting avenues lie. I don't think anybody's come up with something terribly compelling there, but I'm, that's why I'm more interested in the Gear Fit because I don't want to hold the Galaxy S5 with the heart rate sensor while I'm jogging, but having the <laughs> Fit with the heart rate sensor attached, that makes sense. And then it can log in, save things back to the phone later because it's got a little bit of storage that could keep stuff. I th- think that makes more sense. 
Uh, the S5 is, is just starting to look like a phone and a, and a nice phone. I'm not, I'm not dinging right. it. It's just, if I was expecting to be wowed and amazed, maybe we just got to get used to the fact that, you know what, we're not going to get wowed and amazed anymore. There's going to be little features like this and that, and, and that's fine. And I mean, I think that's, uh, that's something the manufacturers are trying to fight against, but it's funny that you bring up the PC because they're doing it in exactly the same way they tried to do it on the PC. They're giving us more stuff that doesn't really matter and then expecting us to drool over it. I mean, they want us to get excited about more megapixels on the camera, just like they wanted us to get excited about more RAM on the PC, when truthfully, for 99% of people, anything beyond 8 gigs is, and even 4 is probably unnecessary. Um, they want us to get excited about, you know, a 4K screen or a 2560 screen. Whereas, I mean, I don't know about you, Tom, but I have decent eyes. Up close, I can see about as well as anyone with normal vision, and I can't really tell the difference between 720p and 1080p on a smartphone. Yeah, I, I know people who claim they can, and there's people who say, you know, there's certain applications that will benefit in zooming and this and that. But those are really edge cases. And I'm not saying they're yes. bad, but they're not the thing that everybody's going to go, ooh, retina screen, that's amazing. Like, we're kind of past that. Capturing in 4K, I think that that's a legitimate feature yep. because that's something that you can later put on a 4K television and, and make sure. a difference. But uh, even then, some people argue that, well, 4K isn't, you know, at a certain distance, you can't tell that either. So I don't know. It reminds me, I, I was looking this up, actually. It reminds me of the Nuon processor that was put into my DVD player. I can't remember which one I had anymore. I think it was a Toshiba. I remember but it that was, thing. It was a way to like DVD players had pretty much reached like this is what you do. You put in a DVD and you watch it. And the new one was like, and now you can play games, except you don't want to play games. And it's a stupid thing and it's horrible. And it was just glommed on. It's those kind of features we're starting to see in phones now. We've actually talked about this a lot on the show, the, the whole the slowdown of massive stages of progression with smartphone. Yeah. And it's something that we've actually we we're we're, we're reviewing phones. But like yeah. not all of them, and a lot of the reviews are really late, and like we're not we're not really super well known for reviewing phones. But one thing we're trying to do is be well known for reviewing uh, wearables. Yeah, because if you if you if you track phones, it bursted really quickly and then is kind of teetering off now. But wearables are becoming huge, and just like you were talking about, Tom, with the heart rate sensor on the the Gear Fit stuff like that, moving away from the phone, moving these features away from the phone, but maybe having it be able to link back or something like that might be a really big deal. And I mean, I think Apple has demonstrated already that they don't think more processing power is really that important. By putting the same class of processor in their iPhone and their iPad, that's, I guess, the point I was trying to make. They've basically said the iPad doesn't need to be faster. Because we could just as easily put something that's a little bit more power-hungry in here. We could have kept the older, thicker form factor. But instead, we decided, you know what? This is actually really enough for now. We're just going to make it thinner because we can't come up with anything else to do. We'll, we'll go with something that sips power. Um, yeah, and, I think and battery that, life, right? Battery life battery is life. a big concern. And if somebody could come up with a phone, they're like, this phone will last a week without charging. Suddenly, everyone's going to go buy that. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, there, there are solutions. I mean, to me, wireless charging is, is awesome. I mean, that's a fantastic feature. I look at the way um, one of my employees in particular is kind of hilarious. I look at the way he uses his phone. He has a wireless charger on his desk where he edits. He has a wireless charging pad uh, downstairs where he shoots B-roll of our products. And then he has a wireless charger at home. So his phone actually basically lives on a wireless charger throughout his daily life, and it only has to, the battery is more like, it's more like a UPS for, <laughs> for when he moves away from his charger. Right. Um, and that is one solution, but 
to me, yes, the slightly thicker phone, and I don't think phone blocks is the answer, but the slightly thicker phone that actually comes with a big battery is going to be the one that kind of everyone looks at and goes, which whoever whichever company it ends up being, whether it's HTC or LG or someone, the enthusiast community is going to look at them and go, wow, that thing's kind of blocky, but... I'm going to buy it because this is what we've been asking you guys for for so long. And we don't yeah. want cheesy battery cases that go on top of our I devices. I mean, Motorola Max was really much more popular uh, than the other Motorola phones. Problem was it was still a Motorola phone, so it didn't catch on as much. But, yeah, packing in a little extra battery life is a huge deal. I'm, I'm thinking more about somebody who comes up with a battery technology yeah. where they say, hey, guess what? It's still thin. But this battery lasts a long time because we did graphene craziness or whatever. You know, uh, I, I want to see that. I think to get to the level he was also talking about where it lasts for a week, you kind of need to do that. Because you can get these extended bulky battery packs. Yep. But it's usually like one more day. And they'll be heavy. Yeah. So basically what you're trying to say is that Galaxy S5, you're not going to be running. What phone do you use? I'm curious. I have an iPhone 5 right iPhone now. iPhone 5, okay. Uh, because I just don't care anymore. It, I have all my services, you know, are, are not Apple related, and this was the last phone I bought, and I haven't felt a need to upgrade it. You know what's really funny is um, I, I actually, so there's a reason for this, but my SIM is actually in my iPhone 4 right now. Oh, yeah? And um, it, it's been in there for a few days because I grabbed a Moto X from the office. I was done doing my Moto G review, and the Moto G, as great as it is, I have an 8 gig one, which isn't even big enough for my music library, so I had to get off it. Uh, so I, I popped my SIM out of that, and I was like, okay, I'll, I'm going to throw this. You know what? I'm going to go to the Moto X. And I had forgotten that the Moto X uses nano SIM instead of micro SIM. So I got home and went to pop it into the phone, and I went, oh, crap. So the only other phone I had was my iPhone, which I use as an MP3 player. And, uh, and that's all I really do on it. And it's been three days, and I haven't actually managed to switch off of it yet because I'm too lazy to go find a SIM removal tool and put my SIM back in my one because I just don't care. And for those of you that are wondering, yes, it's smaller, and yes, he could cut it, but he's worried about cutting it because of going upwards in compatibility. Yeah, I do phone reviews. Yeah. So it's like real inconvenient if I can't use my SIM because I believe the way you should do phone reviews is you should actually switch to the device rather than the way that I see a lot of people do phone reviews where they like you know, go through what I would call a synthetic test, where they mm -hmm. kind of do what they would do. I think you should use it. So yeah, I have to have some, my sim. Do some road testing. I agree. Road testing. So I'm 100% with you. iOS, Android actually doesn't matter much to me. There are things I miss about Android on iOS. I mean, even just things like not being able to customize whatever Apple calls that little thing you slide up from the bottom, the fact that I can't change that stuff. Yeah. Like, and I like widgets. I have a Nexus 7 uh, that I use, and, and, and the, the, uh, the power you get over it is great. I, I think one of the problems with iOS is that that customization is starting to mean less, fewer encryption options. You're starting to see some really good encryption apps for Android, and that might be enough to tip me back to saying, oh, okay, I actually do care again. Right. That's a good point. My, my brother did something, talking about widgets with Nexus 7, my brother installed the Nexus 7, well, paid someone to install a Nexus 7 in his truck because it didn't have tablet support or anything like that and got it hooked up with, uh, I think it's called Microsoft Sync? Pretty sure that's what it's called? Oh, in the uh, car? Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think his, you're right. His truck, and it's absolutely fantastic. And he has a widget set up that in, like, actually interacts with the car and tells him what's going on with different gauges and what's playing and all this kind of stuff. It's very cool. Well, there's, also, there's, a, there's a similar thing called Automatic. Uh, that you can get that plugs into the ODB port on any car, yep. and and you can use it on Android and iOS. Is that is is that what he's using, or is it something else? He he's going directly through Microsoft Sync. Although okay. I think 
uh, now that you bring up the automatic thing, I think he might be usually using that for the gauges. Okay, yeah. He's getting direct information from his from his engine, so that might actually be how he's doing that. Um, I haven't been too in on that project. That's been a lot of just him. It's just really cool. Cool. Um, so, Tom, I'm not going to keep you much longer here. I think we've gone over the half an hour that I promised already. But um, this okay. is something that we talked about earlier on the show and we talked about last week. And I'm sorry to bore the audience with it, but just tell me your opinion on this. You've been in the industry a long time. Facebook's acquisition of WhatsApp was predicated on paying for uh, like a kind of a price per user of a social network. That, that was the rationale, correct? I, I've heard that. I, I haven't heard Zuckerberg say that particularly, um, but he he did say that he would pay he would have paid more for WhatsApp if he needed to uh, because it's the future. He he made some rather vague hand waving statements. Sure. But yeah, it it seems like they're getting they're getting a lot, and the audience seems to be the most valuable thing people can latch their eyes onto. So my problem with that is I would make the argument WhatsApp is not a social network and is just a commodity. Just in the same way that ICQ or MSN or any other one of those services that have come and gone over the years is, would you agree with that statement or would you not? I just I want to hear what you have to say. It gets into semantics, right? I mean, a social network, the way we think about a social network, is a Facebook or maybe in the olden days a MySpace, but uh, a Twitter, something where you follow people, people follow you, and you exchange information. What I think is happening is a lot of people are not using Facebook and they're moving on to these messaging apps like Line and Kakao Talk and WeChat and WhatsApp and using them in place of social networks. So they're using them for some of the same things, keeping in touch, telling people things, exchanging stickers and what, you know, all these other things that they do. Google Hangouts for iOS just came out today with stickers. That's, that's the big trend. That's the hotness. Uh, so I think a lot of analysts don't know what to make because if they say messaging apps, it leaves out all of these other things that these apps are doing. There's a whole games aspect right. of them. Uh, but if they say social networking, then it sort of lumps them in and, 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 and it feels like, okay, they're sort of on the continuum. But I agree with you that they are not the same thing as a Facebook. They are similar to Twitter, but it's, it's a different spin on it. It right. definitely, messaging apps are definitely where the audience that used to be enamored with Facebook and Friendster and MySpace have now migrated to. How the hell do you monetize it, though, when people can switch like that? Yeah, well, you, you, you keep them in by giving them all these features. Uh, one way to monetize them is get them in, in, addicted to games, which is one of the ways Kakao is doing it. And that's working for them. They're making tons of money. Line's doing the same thing, I think. WhatsApp's got a really interesting way of saying, you know what? We just we make it really simple. We make it easy to use so you won't want to leave. Once all your friends are there, that's always the thing that locks you in anyway. Yeah. So uh, and, and they are like, we'll just make it charge you a dollar a year. And you won't even care because it's a dollar and you're getting a lot of value out of it because it's the way you keep in touch with your friends. To me, it's a harder thing to get them into a messaging app. Like we were talking today about TechSecure, uh, which is one of these apps that's really taking advantage of the post-Snowden mindset to say, let's come up with a really honestly good encrypted way to communicate with each other. And it's got some take up among that crowd. But how does that how does it ever grow outside of that? It goes back to what you were talking about. People not really caring about security. They're like, well, but I'm on WhatsApp. So I'm just going to keep talking on WhatsApp. I don't care about security. My mom's on WhatsApp. How am I going to convince my mom to install, you know, block message secure but encryption? What's wrong with WhatsApp, Jimmy? Why do I have to install Telegram? My mom just installed Skype. <laughs> and she like added me. She's like, "Oh, have you used this before?" And I'm like, "Oh, mom. <laughs> like th this happened two nights ago." <laughs> Let me show you the scars, mom. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
<laughs> Back in the early days with IP problems. All right, so precious. I think that's uh, we're actually over the time our show is supposed to end. So Tom, thank you so much for joining us. I would like you to take a couple minutes and like pimp your shows, uh, help our viewers know where to find you. We got about thirty thirty seven hundred people on right now. So if you guys enjoyed Tom, make sure that you listen real carefully right now because he's going to tell you where he's at. Yeah, I think probably if people are enjoying your guys' conversation, they might enjoy Daily Tech News Show as well. It's dailytechnewsshow.com. It's an audio podcast. You can subscribe at the website. You can search for it in your favorite podcatcher, uh, and it's it's listed in almost all of them at this point. But if you can't find it, go to dailytechnewsshow.com. You can subscribe directly there. It's user-supported. There's no advertising. Uh, we just focus on having good guests talking about the news of the day every day. There is a video version. There's an unofficial video feed that the fans have put together. And because I do it on a, a Google Hangout, I, I actually have a YouTube video that's just created automatically. So that's there as well. And uh, I, I, I hope people take a look, check it out, see if they like it, uh, then subscribe if you do. And anything else that I'm doing is available at TomMerritt.com. Awesome. M-E-R-R-I-T-T. I'm already seeing messages in our chat saying Tom Tom's awesome. Oh, thanks. Um, he 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 has the more mature tech show. Yes, you guys are right. Tom has the more mature. Uh, tech it's show a nice way of saying old. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's there's um, anyway. People are saying that. Why are you going to be like well, that? Are. Jeez. Uh, people are saying he was a great guest. We'd love to see him back. So I think that the audience says it best. If I say that you were a great guest, I have to say that because it's polite. But they don't have to say it. So thank you, Tom. You were apparently a great guest, and we'd love to have you on again sometime. Oh, thanks, man. I, I'd absolutely love to. I really enjoyed talking to you guys. You know what you're talking about. It's fun. Thank you. Thank you very much. Take thank care. You, Tom. All right. Cheers. All right. So, guys, that was Tom Merritt. The Tom Merritt, not Tom Merritt of Twit TV anymore. And speaking of his show being entirely user-backed, ours is not. So let's go ahead and do our sponsor spots here. So guys, visit squarespace.com slash Linus to get a free trial of their website building software. And I say software kind of lightly because it's more like you know, cloud-based interface. All the software runs on their side and all the website hosting runs on their side as well. So that gives you a couple of advantages. Number one is you can access whatever you're doing from any Anywhere. Number two is anything that you change is done on the fly. And number three is that it is scalable beyond the wildest dreams of someone who's running a WordPress site on a server sitting in the corner of a room at their former employer. Rock on. <laughs> that's what we used to do. Uh, so Squarespace has many templates. I think they've got over 20 templates now that allow you to build your own website, whether it's a blog or a store or a, I don't know, a portfolio or just any website you would want. I mean, the sport store part is actually really interesting because they added full-fledged you know, e-commerce support actually not that long ago. They've got a logo designer, and this is all extremely good stuff. More importantly than anything else, it's really easy to use. So you can go ahead and you can try it out for free. I believe it's for two weeks, and then if you like it, then you get 10% off by using offer code Linus2, or I think we're actually switching to Linus in the future anyway. So if you put Linus with a number after it, or just Linus in the offer code, then you will get 10% off, which is pretty darn, pretty darn sweet right there. Um, oh, last thing that I should probably mention, this is, this is something cool. So I think up until the 14th of March, if you want the opportunity to work for Squarespace, they're hiring 30 engineers. If you go to be a part of it.squarespace.com, then you can go check that out. And if any of you get hired, I believe I get a trip to New York. So, so do it under my thing. I don't have a thing. Try to do it under, create <laughs> one for me, yeah. apply, get the job and then give me the trip. Yeah. So anyway, that's, uh. That's Squarespace in a nutshell. I think I pretty much covered it, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So then our other sponsor, this is something new, you guys. Intel Club Enthusiast. What's Intel Club Enthusiast? Well, I just said it was new, so you're not expected to know what it is. <laughs> Intel Club Enthusiast is a club for enthusiasts run by Intel. End of integration. Okay, let's move on. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I was if, like, what? <laughs> if you own a Core i5 or Core i7 processor that is unlocked, so a K-series or X-series, you can head over and register at enthusiast.intel.com, and then you can register your product, and you are eligible for exclusive offers. So I... It's only just launched. Like, this went live, like, two days ago. So there's a lot of plans for the future, but Intel has... Um, you know, uh, they're going to have offers like, oh, you could get an upgrade, you know, on the cheap from participating retailers. They're going to have offers like potentially in the future events that you could attend. And there's going to be perks that are just there just for being part of Club Enthusiast. So you don't have to do anything special other than already own Core i5 or Core i7 unlocked processor. So I can't really give much more detail than that. You guys are going to have to go check it out. So that's, again, enthusiast.intel.com. You ready to fight? It's for enthusiasts. Oh, I am ready to fight. What are we going to fight about again? Well, we're not fighting. Oh, we're well, not well, fighting. Well, we're fighting, but we're kind of on the same side. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So we're going to crusade. Yeah. Okay. Oh, is it going to be that? Well, it probably should be. Oh, my goodness. We are completely out of time, and we still have, like, six really good topics. We have to do that one. Wow. Okay. Because that one's in the topic call-out. Okay, well, here, why don't we skim through a couple other ones, just so that we can't bail. Okay. Um, oh, man. Update your Mac now, if you can. Uh, there's a security vulnerability that is in older, non-updated versions of not only OS X, but also iOS, that basically... Okay, and it's iOS 6. And get this, if you have a device that is capable of upgrading to iOS 7, like this one, even though iOS 7 runs like crap on the iPhone 4, you are not getting an iOS 6 security patch. If you have a device that only runs iOS 6, then you get a patch. Oh. Come on, guys. Anyway, upgrade your Apple product. There is a programming bug that caused Apple's SSL code to skip over vital checks of a server's authenticity when establishing a connection. So an SSL-secured connection is used for things like exchanging credit card information, personal information. Logging um, into our forum or buying stuff from our store. Logging into our forum. Um, this is just... A total freaking disaster. A malicious router or Wi-Fi access point could intercept all kinds of what would be SSL encrypted traffic from the machine that you're using. So particularly on a machine you're going to use in an unfamiliar place, or just in general, please update your software right away. Um, speaking of Apple and things that uh, were rumored not that long ago, um, you know, an Apple-Tesla joint venture on for batteries, uh, Tesla... Gigafactory has announced plans to build the battery-producing Gigafactory, or as we'll call it, Gigafactory, from now until forever. So the uh, this was originally posted on the Linus Tech Tips forum by NoName7931. The original article is from The Verge. Please go away on-screen keyboard. But the objective is to have this factory producing, this factory producing as many batteries as the entire world is producing now. <laughs> Boom. By 2017. By 2017. Which is, like, not far away. Yeah, so that's, like, three years and change. Incredible. Pretty epic, actually. Should be good for, you know, 
battery-powered cars, which, of course, Tesla has no interest in None. having more batteries for. No. So they'll be partnering with other battery manufacturing folks to reduce costs after, yeah, so after one year of production, Tesla predicts the battery cost will drop by 30% per kilowatt hour, and they want it to be an extremely green factory. So solar power, essentially zero emissions, no toxic elements are going to come out, and recycling capability will be built into it, says wow. Elon Musk. And if there's any sort of CEO uh, visionary that we're going to trust, which is in line with what we were talking about earlier in the show, uh, he's probably one of them. In, in terms of doing what he's saying he's going to do. Yeah, doing what he says he's going to do and ways. generally being trustworthy. Yeah. All right. Um, LG named the most innovative company of 2014. Cool. Uh, I want to quickly do this one. It won't take that long at all. Uh, CCP, the developers of EVE Online, are going to be constructing a monument in Reykjavik, Iceland. It's going to have the names of all the main characters that are subscribed right now, as far as I can tell. It is a gift to Reykjavik because they have hosted CCP for 16 years or whatever. Um, it's actually kind of awesome. They're going to have a laptop buried under the monument acting as a time capsule, which is also really cool, and then that's literally all I have to say about that. So that's what the monument is supposed to look like. Here's some concept art of what it's going to look like. Very futuristic looking. Go yeah. figure. Yeah. Makes no sense for it to be futuristic looking. <laughs> it's kind of cool, and it's a cool shout-out to the players. I think it's pretty awesome. But... Oh, I think it's fantastic. Yeah. I, I'm resubbed, so that my name will be on it, because... I played for a long time, Seriously? so I was like, I want my name to be on the thing. You resub just to get your name on the thing? Well, I I'm playing again. Okay, guys, tell me this. Would you subscribe on the Linus Tech Tips forum? Hold on. <laughs> well, hold on. Hold on. If we built a statue of Gay Ben at our headquarters oh, and put your name on it, I actually priced it out. It would yeah. cost us about thirty to $40,000 to build a bronze life-size statue of bronze. Gay Ben. You think if we did that, he'd, like, come chill for a little while? I doubt it. Imagine he'd come on the wine show? He'd probably be creeped out as all hell. Yep. Yeah. I don't think he would do it. If I was him, I wouldn't do it. But would you guys contribute <laughs> oh, if we told man. you we had to raise 40 grand to build a bronze gay band? We should do, like, a Kickstarter. So if we don't hit the limit, then we don't do it. And everyone gets their money back. Should we just do it? We should probably just do it. It'd be epic. <sighs> okay. I'm not committing now. We can use him as a mannequin for, like, <laughs> for cool tech that comes out. So, like, when another Oculus comes out, we could, like, put it on him. Well, we won't be able to put much on him in terms of wearables. <laughs> I love you, gay man. I knew you were going there. <laughs> that was perfect. Okay. Um, anyways, we don't have much time. We should keep going through this show. Yeah, okay. Um, da -da 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 -da. I think we're, we're ready. Ah, forget that one. Okay. That one? Yep. Okay. Okay, let's move on. So... Fight time? Yeah. Wait, Pokemon episodes are going on Netflix. Oh, right, okay. That's all I really have to say. Pokemon episodes going on Netflix. And movies and stuff. Okay, moving on. Never really cared much for the show. I totally did for the first season. You're really young. I haven't watched it other than the first season. But now I might. I don't know. I'm stoked. I want to see the first season again. Oh my god. I'm actually pretty excited. This might be the first time I ever actually get Netflix. Really? I've never been a part of Netflix before. Huh. I'm obviously going to have to do that thing so I can get the thing from not in Canada. Right, yeah. Because uh, the Canada one sucks. Right. But, um, yeah. Yeah, we, we, have like a, we have like a lifeline to Hotspot Shield. Like, if we ever need help with anything, we just, like, email them. Speaking of which, so do our users. I actually yeah. had someone tweet me saying they were having an issue with the trial. And uh, I emailed it to Hotspot Shield. I think within about a day, they had someone from their team contact that user. So Hotspot Shield is one of our sponsors, not today's episode. But, you know, just Sometimes. letting you guys know that they, they do help us out. Yep. Okay. So this. 
Posted by Crispy345 on the Twitter. Nintendo is discontinuing their Wi-Fi connection service. So examples of discontinued functionality is online play and matchmaking, leaderboards and tournament data, sharing of user-generated content like ghost data and user-created levels, user exchange of in-game items or characters like the global trade station, and free add-on content or downloads such as new levels, in-game items, or mystery gifts. Really, Nintendo? Usually we're pretty stoked with Nintendo on this show. Really, Nintendo? Not this time. I don't think we can even put Better Than Bieber up on the screen right now. Because that is not Better Than Bieber. I mean, okay. I don't even have a DS anymore. Just, like, total transparency here, guys. I don't have a DS anymore because mine broke. And so I wasn't even butthurt with Nintendo yeah, about we... that. It has a legitimately defective... The DS Lite shoulder buttons are defective. Like, the design wasn't good enough at at least certain points in the manufacturing runs of it. But I still was okay. Because... If I ever did get a DS again, I could fire up my Mario Kart cartridge, and I could race with people online, which is great. But, they're just discontinuing it. It's complete devil's advocate. I don't agree with this side at all, but did you ever even actually do that? Yes. You actually did play online. Yeah, absolutely. The mass majority of people don't. So what? I'm the, 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 if the majority of the people aren't <laughs> using it, it's not like you're updating Mario Kart DS. It's not like you have to, you know, change something about the way the online service runs. They could have even said they don't support it anymore. But this is a complete service discontinuation. Like, they're not allowing you to do those things because they're shutting it down. So stuff on the box of my game cartridge doesn't work anymore. Yeah. And, like, of course, this would happen at some point in time. I did not expect it to happen yet, especially looking at the track record of Nintendo, like how long they supported NES for. That was always one of the big things that people held on a pedestal for Nintendo. If you were ever in an argument about Nintendo, they was like, yeah, but they're an awesome company. Look at how long they supported NES for. Now it's going to be like, yeah, but they kind of ditched like pretty hardcore on one generation back, like not even that far back. They didn't pull a Microsoft where they're like, yeah, we're not going to support XP. Actually, we're going to support it for a while. And then not support it way later than the original date that they proposed, which was actually kind of cool. No, this is effective May 20th. So the Wii, Nintendo DS, and the DSi games are all affected by this. I mean, the Wii wasn't current that long ago. Yeah. And we know that not everyone with a Wii upgraded to a Wii U. Yeah. We know this. Definitely. So there are a lot of people who still have, however much they might use it, a, for them... Perfectly functional gaming console that now they are discontinuing their online services for. But of course, you will still have access to the Wii Shop channel and the DSi Shop. Essentially, if you can spend money. So, yeah. The things that you can't spend money, it's not going to happen. Free add-on content, no longer supported. User-created levels, no longer supported. But you can buy things. Yeah. Not impressed with you. So why don't we do a quick Twitter blitz here, guys? We haven't done one of those pretty much all show. We did a little bit. I, I, I had asked you guys something earlier. I forget what it is now. But, um, yeah, I, I didn't see many responses, so we didn't end up we didn't end up replying to that. All right. In before Langley bylaw to stop it. It could be inside of the building. I think Lord Gabe N would like the money to be used for charity instead. Yeah, that's cool, but I would rather build a statue to Gabe N. <laughs> I'm already contributing, but I go up to gold for a month. Absolutely. In a second, statue love. So everyone's just tweeting at us about bronze gay ban. Uh, jailbreak your iPhone. Download the SSL patch. 
Ah, I don't really care. See, that's exactly... See, I think you're missing the point of why I'm using the iPhone. I'm using it because I don't care. Does not care. Not because I, I want to tweak it and, like, fuss about with it more. Why don't I use a start menu on Windows 8? Because I don't care. I just... What? I mean... I kind of agree with that guy. What but then you mean? use the touch functionality of yeah, your screen a this lot. Yeah, this is a touchscreen Ultrabook. Yeah, so he and he actually does legitimately use the touchscreen on his Ultrabook. And there's absolutely... Okay, I have... Is that um, Twitter background? Yeah, that's a new need, Twitter background. I need a cool Twitter background. Um, I Ask Ed, Ed for one. Um, okay. I have eight, nine, ten programs pinned to the start menu. Those are the only ten programs I use on this notebook. Yeah. So and what like, do I need a start menu for? And he's using touch. And if you go to the... Uh, <laughs> Windows 8 Modern UI, I don't know, Metro, whatever. Um, if you're using Touch, it's it's not that bad. I've never once used the Modern UI for the ma the main reason being that all the modern apps are garbage. Yeah, particularly terrible. the picture viewing one and the Horrible. movie watching one. The also first thing terrible. I do as soon as I get a Windows 8 device is I change the defaults to uh, Windows Gallery Viewer or whatever the old one, even I've, though it's a piece of crap too. I've got a buddy that works in IT. He works in like an office building, um, actually in Vancouver, and he has a batch file script that does that automatically. Nice. Because if someone ever brings in a new device or they do a new computer or anything like that, he's just like whoop because it fixes so many ticket reports of just like this isn't working i'm locked in the screen whatever whatever yeah like i, I opened i tried to open a picture and I'm like i can't i can't move i can't do anything yeah, yeah. um Solves anyway tons of those problems i missed five years ago when i could lose my charger because i didn't have to charge my phone every day yeah i know right life on a wireless charger nexus five people know uh so people are talking a little bit more about the uh sort of our phones just a dead end and doesn't matter anymore Whip says, I'm all for high-resolution screens, even if only for the sake of progression. But, like, do we need progression for the sake of progression? I want high-resolution screens on phones so that that technology can be cheaper and Oculus can get it. Ah, yeah! <laughs> Everyone just wants to talk about the Gay Ben statue. The statue should have a Steam logo. Is DDR4 coming out at the end of the year, the summer? I have no idea. Um, it'll come out when it comes out. It'll be faster, and it'll use less power, and it'll be um, higher density. And we'll test it. My GPU is running at 100% on idle. Why? Uh, is it possible that you're uh, coin mining and you don't know about it? Something's wrong. Yeah, something's wrong. Go on the forum. Yeah, go on the forum. Troubleshooting section. Getting kind of big, actually, which is good. I used my Wii a week ago for Mario Kart and did a bit of online and missed how fun it was. Yep. There you go. So, like, I know people do it. Yep. It's just not a super high percentage, but then exactly what you said. It's not a super high percentage, so it shouldn't be that big of a deal. When I gamed on my DS... Um, playing Mario Kart DS or whatever they call that one, like, it wasn't right when it came out, and, like, people were on. Yeah. Like, you could yeah. get a match. Especially with stuff like Mario Kart. Yeah. Like, certain other things, maybe not. Like, I tried to play on uh, my 2DS, but the 3DS game, I'm trying to remember the name of it now. Uh, what's 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 the old story of the, the guy that has wax wings and flies to? Kid Icarus. I was trying to play Kid Icarus on my 2DS, and went to go play multiplayer, no one was there. But right. I'm like, I'm trying to play Kid Icarus. Yeah. I'm not trying to play Mario Kart. Well, I like, guess I could have expected this. There is no reason too. why Mario Kart DS couldn't be enjoyed a year or two or three or four or five from now. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, what headphones do you use for listening to music on your ProGrade station? What about on the go? Um, I use mostly my HD 600s when I'm at home. Uh, however, sometimes uh, ADH, whatever, D, the, the Denon D2000s, I really like those as well. Um, and then when I'm on the go, it's always all about the IEMs. I have my IE80s on me. If you, want, if you ever see me on the street and you want to test this, just walk up. Be like, Linus, do you have your IE80s in your pocket? Be like, no, because they're in my ear. <laughs> or yes. 
That's the other answer. That's true. How about a bronze Linus statue? I, I don't think if, anybody if, needs that. What if it would be considerably cheaper? Because it'd be like... <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Uh, that's terrible. <laughs> How can you say such a thing? It should be. Um, or maybe it's like that material thing. Like GameSpy. Apparently it's because GameSpy is shutting down the show. I don't care. I don't care why it's going down. Fix it. Statue would get us some press. Yeah, probably. Probably terrible press. Yeah. Is Hotspot Shield slowing down internet speed a common issue? That's just a reality of using a VPN. Yeah. Because you're relying on their connection. And like you're relying on the, the signal has to be physically rerouted. So it's like further. The latency is worse. Have either of you played Thief yet? Any thoughts? Whoops, sorry. Um, I think it's a lot better than a lot of people have been saying. I th honestly, I think people have jumped into the game, played for like five seconds, and like, this game sucks. It's not as hard as Thief used to be. Because they didn't click on the custom difficulty button and click classic Thief custom difficulty options. Come on! There's ten... It's, it's, like, Come on! it's one of the most... You can customize the difficulty to, with such a fine comb. It's amazing. Well, they're used to not having an options menu. <laughs> So Console nobody nerds. looks for it anymore. <laughs> but it's not when, when you go to create a new game. It's like uh, thief. Uh, well, what is it? Rogue, thief, master, and custom. If you go to custom, there's a huge list of custom options you can do. Some which are insane. If you're detected at all, you just instantly fail. That's one of the options. So if you're worried about how difficult it is, you can make it insane beyond logical levels of difficulty very easily, or you can just turn off all the new things and make it classic thief style difficulty very easily. Um, and everyone's complaining about that, which is fixable, but not enough people are complaining about the audio, which is horribly, terribly broken. Which is ironic, because when I last saw it, which was like back in September, or whenever GPU 14 was, when I was in Hawaii for the AMD event, they had true audio running on it, and like the audio experience of Thief was going to be a big selling point! Whereas, uh, I mean, you know, there's reports out there of, like, outside, you know, ambient sound effects drowning out the conversation you're trying to have with someone yeah. two feet in front of you. And I would have it where it's like, oh my god, someone is talking right beside me, and I'm a thief, I need to be not detected, and, like, someone is talking right beside me, and I turn and look, no one's on this floor of the building. <laughs> the guy who's talking is downstairs in a different room, and, like, the positional audio is like, hello! It's like, oh my god, and that's so off-putting when you're trying to sneak around, and it feels like people are talking directly beside you the whole time. Like, it feels like a guard that is in a different floor of the building is sitting right there, talking to me the whole time, and I'm just, like, trying to sneak and steal things. It's like, what? It doesn't make any sense. Why are you so ridiculous? It's silly. I hope they fix it. Uh, David asks for it. a recommendation for a good and expensive gaming laptop. Um, I think the, the, the weapon of choice out there right now is Lenovo's Y-Series. Yeah. Although I haven't really... I, I haven't shopped for a gaming laptop since ever. Actually, yeah. Have you ever bought a gaming laptop? Nope. Neither have I. I mean, with that said, it's not like I don't understand what's good about them. I've sold lots of them. Yeah. And I've sold lots of them to people who I knew would be really happy with them. Yeah. It's just that it's... As have I. It, it would... You know, it's the kind of thing that would probably make more sense for me today than it ever did in the past. Because I used to be a lot more mobile than I am now. I still don't know, because uh, you've seen the kit 
I haul around whenever we go places. If I'm yeah. going to use a laptop, I'm bringing my own mechanical keyboard and mouse. Right. So, like, I need so much space that if I bought a gaming laptop, it's so much stuff to haul around. Mm. Because I would need... I need an external mouse. There's no way I can game with a trackpad. My justification for it would be that it would be excellent as a, as a portable workstation. Yeah. Or even just to completely replace my workstation here. Because yeah. a lot of the gaming laptops now support multiple displays out. Mm -hmm. So you can legitimately have a great productivity workstation that then you take home with you. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Um, and another thing, as I was trying to say, it, it, I've seen people do this, is where they don't haul around a keyboard and mouse, they haul around a controller. Right. And they'll play more games that you're used to seeing on consoles, like racers and whatnot, right. on, their, on their gaming laptop, which is like, okay, that makes sense. Controllers are much more portable than a keyboard and mouse. So... That makes sense. Uh, what is your opinion of the best monitor? Uh, impossible to say. Incredibly long discussion. Yeah. Uh, what did I think of the ATH M50s after all? Oh, they're okay. For the price, they're really good. Um, didn't think they were that comfortable. I think that the comfort of them is not as amazing as it's cracked up to be. I also found them a little bit harsh at the high end, but my hearing is a little bit more sensitive at the high end than it is elsewhere, so that makes a bit of sense. Something with, uh, something with a perfectly flat frequency response curve might not sound that great to me. It might be kind of fatiguing for me to listen to. Um, whereas some of the, some of the roll off that you get from something like, um, uh, an Essence One where you have higher output impedance with low impedance headphones, um, is actually somewhat desirable to me, except that I miss out on some of the bass. So, yeah, they're good. I would recommend them. Just not as comfortable for me as they are for some people. People are like, the Wii is eight, eight years old, but I still play Brawl online. Yeah, see? This is what I'm talking about. Gold gay Ben, Too expensive. Yeah. Heard DirectX 11 is getting an update, a lot like Mantle. There's not a lot of substantiated evidence for it yet. Yeah. Th th we'll hold yeah. off. Yeah. I Only think. if it's six meters tall with a crown upon his head and a cat in his arms. I still use the Wii, and I have played Mario Kart recently on my DS. I am disappointed there. Especially Super Smash Brothers. Like, people play that online like crazy. Yep. That's something I didn't even think about, is on the Wii level, there's even more games that people play a lot online. <laughs> Check out Tom's mic. We could definitely use better mics on this show. Huh. There you go. 327 bucks. But that's how he gets that sound. Yep. That's why it, like... Sounds really good. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're done here, guys. Thank you so much for tuning into the WAN show today. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Just as a reminder, our sponsors today were Squarespace, the fast, easy way to build your own beautiful website that works on desktop and mobile and all that good stuff, as well as Intel. Join Intel Club enthusiasts for exclusive offers. Authors, offers. Head over to enthusiast.intel.com. And a huge thanks to our guest, Tom Merritt, for joining us. So you can find him in all the ways that he said earlier, or just forget all that and Google Tom Merritt, M-E-R-R-I-T-T, -T, and you'll find him really easily that way as well. Yeah. Uh, he was a fantastic guest, and we'd love to have him on again at some point. So anyway, guys, thank you again very much for watching, and we'll see you again next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.